Thank you for joining us. This is season 18, episode 20 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, and my name is Stu. Uh. <laughs> Stork. <laughs> the end. You got your papers. I did. Figured yeah. it out. This is Jim. And this is Gina. To make sure I'm doing everything, we're recording. Yeah, yeah, we're doing everything. Okay, checklist is gone. Smooth as silk, that one. All right. Uh, before we begin, <laughs> there's a couple of announcements. If you live in the Southern California area and you would like to see the Poxy Boggards live and the, the Mary White, the Poxy Boggards, it's this band. It is a bunch of fat drunk dudes. Old, but they sing okay. Fat drunk dudes. Um, and one young guy. And yeah. one young guy. Uh, and the Merry Wives of Windsor, and Sportive Tricks, all in one show, you can do so. On St. Patrick's Day, that's Friday, March 17th, at the Long Beach Petroleum Club. Petroleum? What? That's it. Yeah, I don't know. It's a place? It's called the Petroleum Club. Where do they sell oil there on the It's side? made of oil cans. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm, actually, I don't know what it's made of. Actually, I went and looked it up, too. I couldn't believe there was a place called the Petroleum Club. It's a Petroleum it's Club. It's an actual Long place. Beach, right? It's a Long Beach Petroleum Club. Well, it, it's kind of northern Long Beach. It's not quite like, you know, center Long Beach. It's a, um, yeah. So we distinguish between northern Long Beach yes. and southern Long yeah. Beach? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, when I used to live there, there was quite a bit of difference between the different sections of Long Beach. Okay. East, yeah. Long, East, East Long Beach is where I was from. Uh-huh. And that was um, the safest part of Long Beach, but there are other parts of Long Beach that were not so safe. North Long Beach, oh, was very scary. Well, I ain't from around here, so. <laughs> it's a lot more gentrified now. I would imagine, because it's expensive to live there now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll be doing a show March 17th. Uh, doors open at 7 p.m. Downbeat is 7.30-ish, they say. Um, and you can tickets are 20 bucks, and you can go to poxyboggards.com slash tickets, and that will take you to the Eventbrite page where you can buy tickets to see the show. Right. There's only hey. like 290 seats. Uh, that's or, what I was going to say. It's not a very big place. I mean, it's big. It's just it's only like 200 people, maybe? Tops. I think the max is three, yeah. or close to three. It will sell out. I think so far we've sold oh, almost 40 tickets online, nice. something like that. Rest ourselves. So if you want to... Yes, it's me. I'm sorry. There's two other bands. Put, don't put it on the... the, the yeah, I know. I'm, shirt, I'm yeah. not trying to. It's just it's being contrary. Yeah. It Get keeps this doing out of the way. It. it just keeps getting funnier. When I nod my head... <laughs> I know. Anyway, <laughs> I'll turn my mic on. Okay. No, we're, no, we're all just staring. <laughs> the, um, I know. So, March 17th, uh, doors open at 7, Long Beach Petroleum Club, poxyboggards.com slash tickets. If you'd like to go see it, Please. it'll take you to the Eventbrite page and you can do so. But buy your tickets soon because yeah. it's very likely to sell out. Cool. There's beer, there's food, there's friends and if you if you are listening and you come by please introduce yourself yes and, and please maybe even reintroduce yourself not when we're on stage no that would that would suck yeah don't do that yeah that's a bad idea but afterwards don't to run up on the stage on stage hi hi i listened to your show listen yeah. to this show great, great. <laughs> I got a solo up. thank you yeah, we had a guy in the band who used to like strike up conversations with people in the middle of songs 
Really? Yeah, with the band. Yeah. Well, you know, I really think it. It's like, and, and I Stu's up there trying, and he's like, "Not only am I trying, you know, have I got thirty chords I got to remember? Now I have a solo." <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Yeah, <laughs> and and God was, was awesome. Him. Yeah, he's was awesome. just he just didn't know, he just didn't understand. No. So that's happening. Also tomorrow, if you want to watch live, you can watch uh, the Magnificent Bastards game. That's sort of the fate-ish game that Dave Kazay is running at two o'clock Pacific right, time right. PM. Dress up. Yeah. We're dressing up. Are you I, dressing up? Yeah, probably. You got your beard up there somewhere. Yeah, it's up. Yeah, it's up there somewhere. I think. So it's um, a. It's not a larp pow. Right. We don't. We don't stand right. up. Okay. We don't walk around. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You. It's Dave a reclining sits. larp. No, he doesn't. No. Uh, okay. He sits. Yeah, See? he he sits. Really? He had to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no, you're wearing a freaking yeah. mic. You got to sit your ass down. He squirmed a lot though. He did. He's like, I'm gonna get around the table. <laughs> I'm gonna put broken glass on the floor and take his shoes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then. Uh, on Sunday at four five p.m. is uh, Kimmy's running her Wild Talents game ah. from Orcon. That's right. So if you are nice. interested, if you're Wild Talents curious, you can cool. watch that show because none of us know the system very well. So she's right. going to have to do a lot of explaining. Are you in it? Are you going to do it? Yeah. yeah, I promote very, very likely. Okay. I I have stopped. Fair is coming up. Mm-hmm. It's getting close. Not this weekend, but next weekend. Workshops and build starts. And uh, we've also, as some of you may know, we're recording, the bloggers are recording the next CD, and we've sort of slowed down our production of that because we're going to put in more music. So I've been spending a lot of time writing songs. There's also other CDs being produced here as well. Not right now. Not right now, but soon. Well, yeah, kind of, yeah. Cool. He's a busy man. But, um, and I want to get those songs done before Fair so we can try them at Fair so we can see what works and what doesn't. So I'm like, prep is like, for games. I can play because I can just sit down. I'm doing anything. Anyway, in this episode, Mike from PA writes in about PCs not jiving with the rest of the party. Are you jive? I don't know anything about that. <laughs> right. Can we jive? Uh, you speak jive? <laughs> I, speak, I speak jive. Uh, Daniel sends in an email in three parts. Mr. CJ ponders about world building assumptions. Liam! writes in about sharing the plot and session breaks, and the venerable Von Scooterbodden <laughs> sends a tale of GM confession, horror, Cute. and player redemption. If you'd like to email the show, you can email us at happychecksrpg at gmail.com. Be warned, we have a one-month backlog on emails right now. It comes Nicely because it ebbs done. and flows. It's a, it's a full moon, so we've got a month. For the this, these emails are mostly from... Uh, January and a little from February, wow. and emails in this episode. But we, yeah. For those, for those of you listening to this five years from now, that won't yeah. matter. Won't matter to you. Well no. done, listeners. Yep. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Happy Jacks RPG, Owen Word. We're also on Instagram, Happy Jacks RPG, Owen Word. Find us on Facebook, blah blah blah. Uh, if you'd like to watch the show live, you can watch it happyjacks.org/live, and all the links to Twitch and the YouTube's and the chat room from Twitch, which I have up here. Or I did. Hi, chat room. In the Twitch room. And there's people there. Mine just isn't. Boggards the sitting. Yeah. <laughs> that would be our White Wolf game. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So, uh... <laughs> our White Wolf game. Boggards this. The, ver- the first email, being the odd man out, or my character isn't jiving with the party, from Mike in Pa. Hi, Stu and the Douche Canoe crew. That was Douche cute. Canoe. I like that. That's like a Saturday morning That was, uh, cartoon. Elton John. That's, that's the name of my Elton John cover band. Douche Canoe. Douche right? Canoe is no, a cover band for Elton John. <laughs> Blue Canoe? No? Really? Anyone? Anyone? Nope. nope. Chat room? Nothing. 
No. A sitting LARP. All this gray hair, and it just, it, this is what it gets me. <laughs> Long-time listener, second or third-time emailer, I made a realization this evening, after talking to my gaming friends and driving home listening to the most recent episode, season 18, episode 13, I'll tell you how long it's been, uh, I thought this would make an excellent topic for the show. I know there are people who have a tendency to make characters who don't mesh well with the group. <clears throat> what? Somehow... I no, I was... Th- with- Somehow they go inadvertently go left when the rest of the group goes right. I'm and right it, here, and it makes some <laughs> weird problems. I'm one of them. Oh, okay, yay! A few this examples. Email. What? Right. A few examples. My name's Stork. I'm a gangle. Um. My Stork. <laughs> well, playing played a sorcerer amongst a bunch of warriors. <laughs> While playing D&D in the past, I've made a half-orc to join a group of adventurer murder hobos who hated orcs. Yeah. And wrote hating orcs into their backstories. I didn't know they did this. I was barred from entering a dwarven city with them for the majority of the session. This sort of thing happens often to me in D&D, be it questionable ethics, good versus evil, or law versus chaos. I know, I get it, I hear you, trying to explore the duality, I know, yeah. right? And you make, you know, an interesting character, and everybody else made a murder hobo, so yeah, I, I yeah. get it. In another game, a group of a, a group member created a wild party guy slash face rogue who is down to use cell drugs and screw over the rest of the party. This may be my own bias showing here. <laughs> he once paid some male strippers or gigolos to ambush slash seduce, a lot of slash words in here, my paladin early in the game. This created a huge problem when the drugs he's peddling are causing the lycanthropy that we're trying to end. Uh, I am so stealing that hook. Right. That's so cool. I I really want to have a bar. My whole idea about bards is that there's a lot of bards out there. They're con men. Oh, yeah. Used car salesmen, stand-up comedians. They could be acrobats or whatever. And it could easily be drug dealers. They're like, man, I got this thing for you. And he's selling... A drug that causes lycanthropy that it's so... Uh, it's awesome. a side effect, I'm guessing. I love that. Done. Probably, Probi Tim has also experienced this with his Nosferatu in, in the mode of sin. Most recently, we decided to start a game of Scion. Uh, a few of the group members love Exalted, so this might be stepping a stepping stone towards more White Wolf-style systems. In brief, the system uses what are called virtues as indicators of your character's values and what's important to them. This mechanic compels characters into action or inaction, and each character gets four of them. The other four group members chose their primary virtue to be courage, which is a go-it-alone, all-defeat-in-single-combat-style virtue. Courageous scions want to prove how good they are at combat and want to take risks. I chose valor. Valor is similar, but is more defensive in nature, defending defending the helpless, fighting with honor, and knowing when to fight are ways a science are valor. He likes his paladins. Yeah. So <laughs> they want to hop into battle all the time and make and, and fight by themselves, all risky like. While I'll try, well, while I'll be trying to help them all out, which they would refuse. I also can't ambush or sneakily eliminate people. The first game session hasn't even happened as of this email one nineteen twenty seventeen or it has now. Uh, and and we've hit a snag. Oh joy! Pause for a drink. Done. My question: 
What steps can players or GMs take to improve chances of having good character cohesion within a group? What ways can these surface-level glaring incompatibilities actually be boons to the group? What strategies can be employed to smooth over these irregularities? Love the show. Keep up the good work. Mike and Pa. I, I'm I don't not, know if you have standing to answer this question. I have no. I, have no, I was going to say I am actually the cause of much of Stu's grief in uh, a couple of his games, especially right now. Uh, I think uh, I'm playing. Bit. I'm playing a loner survivalist gang girl in his vampire game. So Stu, how do you handle me, who pretty much his character wants to be a loner and wants to run away all the time? And how is it that you keep trying to integrate me and now Asa? Into our, I make you. I make. I make it so that you can't. You'll die if you don't. That's what I've done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, actually, the party for you, the party um, somehow threw you under the bus for diabolizing someone, which I don't even know if you know why you have a. No, nope, I don't. Right. Well, I me Stork does, but the character doesn't. Right. And uh, so I ran with that. So on the mainland, which you were, you were part of. The mainland's demean when when that's happened. There's a there's a blood hunt that's been called against right. you. And, and, to, and to be fair, uh, student, just throw that at me. I, we we I went into that eyes wide open. I think I even gave him the hint. Right. So so it's part of the it's part of the and camera. that and that makes you have to stay on the island. I mean, you can leave, but it's going to be a pain in the butt if you yeah. do. Because yep. um, tra- tra- there's risks inherent. In I have railroaded travel. myself. Right. Uh, in the case of Asa. Um, I uh, had her attacked by werewolves when she decided to go wandering off on her own, and they're still out there. Mm-hmm. And they are, you know, e- even to this wandering day, wandering damage. Huh? It is it wandering, was wandering damage. damage. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was dressed up wandering damage. Yeah. yeah, she went out on on her own, and they decided to stalk her. It's much more deadlier than a than a Bollywood. I'm yes, sure. yes, it is. <laughs> That's when you got your first fistful of aggravated damage. But <laughs> or your first can of aggravated Asa gets attacked, and I get my ass handed to me. Of yeah. course, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, but that that has made her less willing to go to go stray and go out to go rogue. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. So, well, I've been li- I've listened. To I'm going to go put the bark collar for sure. I've listened to all of the motive sins that have been aired so far, and um. Yes, you created a character who wants to be a loner. And every time they drag you kicking and screaming back into doing things with and for the group, you're grumpy about it, you're grouchy about it, but you do it. That's the that's the and, hook. And that's the thing. I think you're right. Is that you have this character who on paper would be a loner and would be, you know, like, I don't want anything to do with you people. I just want to go ride my bike off into the desert and, you know, yeah. go. Okay, but... For whatever reason, when Adrian calls, you're like, okay, I, I sure, <laughs> I, I, you know, and you grumble about it, which is very cool and fits the character wonderfully. But you do it. You, you, you know, The most recently, I remember you going to the site of the building, and you didn't want to. You didn't want, to, and you didn't want any part of it, and you didn't really want to deal with Asa, but. You know, here's a puppy, literally a puppy, yeah. who, um, you know, needed some guidance, or you know, bad things were going to happen, and you know, but and you grumbled about it, but you did it. 
And there's the key. Well, she was putting us all in jeopardy because she's just right. taking people indiscriminately. I, I think uh, having occasionally played characters like that um, or played with people who are like that, I'm looking at you, Clockwork. Um, <laughs> He's, he is a professional wrench oh, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's a lot of fun, <coughs> and it, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the plot or, you know, the adventure or whatever that we're doing, but it's just there, you get a lot of really good interplay between the characters. I guess that kind of is part of what he's saying. How could that be a boon? I think it's a great boon to role playing and it makes you think differently because it's like, you know, what is that character going to do that is not, you know, like what we're going to do and how are we going to corral that person or not, or how are things going to go off the rails or, and I think it leads to a lot of fun with the RP. I, I always saw, I remember using mm-hmm. Albert as sort of the touchstone. Yeah. I always saw Albert as sort of the uh, the what if. They're all, they're all, well, towing the vampire, you know, towing the vampire flag. And he's like, yeah, but we don't necessarily need to do that. What if we do this? And and I see that perhaps this character, who's, who's the valor-oriented character, that was really loud. Sorry. The valor-oriented <laughs> character is sort of the moral compass of the group. He's the one that's like. Right. Perhaps we could. What if we negotiate? Yep. Yep. What if we pay them off? What if we? Or if he's getting in their way because he's right? defending them? Or he's if like, they get their asses handed to them, he rides yeah. in on his on his yeah. snowy white stallion, heals them all, and saves them, and says, yeah. "Now, what did I tell you guys about jumping in before?" Yeah, I, I think from a GM standpoint, it's very much about setting expectations, mm. and I think the good one, yes. the the seminal phrase for this that I've run into recently is in. Apocalypse World, one of the things it says in, in big bold letters is your character, the characters are allies. They don't have to like each other. They don't have to get along. But they are allies. Right. Deal with it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that in most cases, I think that is, is, is a good assumption to make in most games. Mm-hmm. But there are systems, there are whole games that are built around the idea that you might all be on the same task, but you right. aren't allies. No, absolutely. Which is you know fine. What I mean? Like L5, L5R, by default, I yeah. have, we haven't played it that way really, by default is a multi-clan game, and if there's a scorpion in there, there's at least one character who's not an ally. Well, well, right. Vampire can be and the same way. I mean, I have no idea if it's a Sabat or not. Right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> no, vampire Yeah, no, there are definitely games like that. Night Witches, there's a, there are roles you can choose that will put you completely at odds with other people. Right. But, uh, but at you, the table. But you go into it yes. knowing that that's but, the kind of yeah. game you're playing. And, and yeah. you've set that expectation right. for this is what the game we're playing. Uh, right. One of the first things I wanted to say, though, is if you have concerns about that or having four completely disparate characters or that that's going to completely ruin the fun at the table, is a huge suggestion is make characters together. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because then at least we all know what we're getting into. If you're in love with that, you know, like you said, the wizard in a party full of mm-hmm. frontline melee, you know, fighting types, then at least everybody knows what we're getting into and maybe there are relationships you've built or, yeah, remember that time you saved my life or remember that time you almost got me killed. Right. Yeah. Well, you, you, you built traveler characters, right? Yeah. And, and that implicitly makes sure you have a connection. Right. Yeah. More than that, more, more than the fact that you get a random character that you never would have thought of, it builds in connections. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm reminded of um, the Thirteenth Warrior, mm-hmm. wherein uh, the prince, the main character, is an Arab in a group of of Vikings, and 
He doesn't speak the language, doesn't understand. He doesn't fit in. For those of you watching at home, if you haven't checked it out, it's a great Viking film. It has one of the best language learning scenes I've oh, ever it really, seen. Oh, it truly does. And you know why he, he ended up speaking language? He listened! Because he listened. <laughs> right. But, but here you've got a character who absolutely does not fit in right. with the rest of the group. But um, they're doing their Viking thing and then like, and, and totally denigrating him up one side and down the <laughs> other. But then all of a sudden he does something to help them. And it's like, oh, right, okay. And when he goes into battle, he's as brave as they are. And then he's, they start to realize, eh, Well, that's what Vikings do. It's right. like, yeah, it's like, what, do you, you know, what have you done for me lately? Right. Well, but again, we're talking about setting that expectation, mm-hmm. understanding the game you're playing. And if you're playing a game where the characters are, are adversarial, that's fine. That's the game you have in front of you. Understand what you're going to get. Right, and that's okay. The thing I think the the thing to remember about that odd man out thing, and I'm trying to think if there's an example that isn't that in in movies or literature, and I can't think of one, is the odd man out almost always is the main character. So in an RPG, that's very likely that a lot of sessions, the major, not the majority of the time necessarily, but a disproportionate amount of the table time is going to be about. That character and yeah. how people are that, dealing with that character. I wouldn't disagree with that. And I yeah. think even unintentionally, even if yeah. as a GM at the head of the table you're not steering spotlight, that character by doing... By default. Yeah, by doing their magnet. ranger roguey off right. to the... Yeah, every, as time a they, every time they split the party, now yeah. you have to spend yeah. an enormous amount of time yeah. trying right. to get them yeah. back into the party. Every now. time everybody was trying to stealth up on right. the chaos that was happening and my Josie character went, Hey... What's going on there? Yeah, and just <laughs> yeah. destroyed right. any. Which was, yeah, which was a thing of beauty to watch. By Here, the way. Here's here's the other thing that I've noticed that maybe it's an experienced role player thing, <laughs> but but people come up with a character and then their characters don't ever change. To my mind, there needs to be an arc of a character, so they may start out with one way and move to another. Yeah. Uh, he, he says here, uh, what, what steps can GMs do use to improve chances of having good character cohesion? That's not all on the GM. No. A lot of that's on no. the players, yeah. and it's about the players changing their attitudes towards another player and and accepting him or finding a role for him or that character defining a role, right. uh, which is what you were saying about the <clears throat> Warrior. If people are static role players it's like I, they, and they never change their opinions, it's not going to be easy. If you yeah. have players like... I like to say our groups are really good at their characters changing, moving on, moving forward. Character uh, arcs. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Character I'd like evolution. So. I'd yeah. like to think so. I don't, I don't know. If if your character's not evolving, you're only getting half well, of the I experience. I think that that's the key, is that yeah. these the, the, the whole point is that they start out maybe not liking each other, like Legolas and Gimli, and then through the course of the adventure, and the best right. friends. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you say Gimli? Thing. I did. Okay. No. <laughs> and, and sometimes you're going to do that because it's what it's what happens with the character. But sometimes you might do that because you realize, you know what? I am inhibiting the enjoyment of the other people at the There's table. There's a metagaming moment, maybe, yeah. And because yeah. I, I had that moment. I was Gene and I were playing a game together, and my character was designed to be a monster hunter. That's what my character did. He was born to be a monster hunter. His family had been monster born hunters to be wild. for generations. Mm-hmm. But what I realized was that his instinct was, I was born to this. This is my responsibility. So when we have monsters, I'm going to go fight them. Because I'm I'm my job is to protect these people. Right. Okay. 
it was several sessions into it when I realized when and, and I had realized that there was this problem of you know that the character didn't didn't fit just didn't fit mm-hmm. and I made a player decision I'm not I do not want to cut the other players out of the game out of this this fun thing so how am I going to make that happen what I did was in the character's mind I made an adjustment that he sees them okay he was born to it they chose it they chose to do that and they're capable and they're they're smart and they're they're resolute well, and at some point you either choose to be part of the Scooby Gang or yeah. you're not. Well, that's so. Yeah. I mean, in that situation, if I had a player who's going off and handling things on yeah. his own, what I'm gonna as soon as I realize that that's going on, the I the next thing that that player is gonna come up against is something they can't handle. Yeah, on absolutely. Their own. Right. absolutely. And as the GM, that you know, yeah, that's that's a, yeah. a perfectly and you, you good get answer. you get them nice and beat up. And they yeah. come limping back to right. the party. And they're like, what happened to you? I just got my ass handed to me. Well, why did you ask for help? Uh, well, and now you've got them. Right. Like, and, and also, you have but, character story. But yeah. once you, have character. I, you, have, you have this character evolution. And once right. I made that, that intellectual step, we became a very cohesive group. Sure. That, that, well, and I think... There are ways that you can do that, and it can either be because the player uh, takes a step back and thinks as a player uh, about what the ramifications are, or that there is that uh, the character evolution, um, or somebody brought up in the chat room uh, that Oppenheimer, when you realized, Stu, that he was just not... He was going down the wrong path. He was going down the wrong path. You just went... (laughs) You know what? We actually after after the role playing set the session where we're standing up actually mm-hmm. like screaming at each other, <laughs> um, and my character just like just like completely snaps and starts talking about you know how because he he was like a a vigilante that makes Batman look like his, it. Yeah, his motivations his motivations <laughs> were uh, dark to begin with, right? He he believed that people who were committing crimes deserved to die. He he would be Batman if Batman was conceived not in the fifties or forties. He's like the whenever. Punisher with Superman's powers. Yeah, yeah he had he was like radioactive dude. Yeah, yeah. but um, we had this big session where he he went out and ended up killing like a teenager who was trying to rob people and oh. st- like a purse snatcher uh-huh. or something. Did you say anything standing over his smoldering body? Did you say something like this is what happens to? No, he was already dead. Petty crime. He was already dead. No, no. Did Oppenheimer say no, anything? I just it, me and one other character said, "Let's go out and fight some crime while these people sit there and right. sit here and have their have their <laughs> meetings." Right? right. So we went out, and there's some kid robbing, like snatches a woman's purse at at knife point. He was armed, and so he was I, armed. I, I, I came down off the top of the building because I I couldn't fly, but I could like float. Okay. And I came down off the top of the building, and I blasted him with my radioactive power, <laughs> and it killed him. And uh, and then. Uh, we came back, and they had already heard about it because there was someone there, a reporter with a camera or something. So you know, it was already on the news. <coughs> and then we had this big long fight, Blowout. and and uh, and that the, that with the leader of the party, the guy who was playing the leader of the party, who was actually from the future, um, and he, uh, the, it, when that scene ended, he turned to Bill and says, "I don't think these two characters will work together again." And I'm like, you know what? I agree. They wouldn't. Because he thinks you're a fucking pansy. And you probably think he's a fucking madman. You're probably right. 
<laughs> so I handed the character sheet to Bill and made a mute. <laughs> you still killed people, but you can no, he didn't. He was a speedster, not a very good speedster, because speedsters are hard to build in in Hero. Yeah, good speedsters are hard to build. Um, and what? then that, uh, speedsters say, really? No, good, not. I had good one. I had good one. building building ones that can do some damage. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can be fast. Oh. Being fast is easy. Oh, yeah. I, Being I can able make to be fast. And, I can no, make no. Yeah. He knows now, but at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then I ended up making a brick, which is the easiest thing to make and the funnest thing yeah. to play. Well, yeah, because you get to pick up, you know, all the 45 dice. 45 dice. Right. We talked about that in the forums. Stu right. was like, I once made a character 45 die D6, and a bunch of people were like, what? Yeah. And, I, and I think, yeah, they were all like, oh, that is a lot of dice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I, I, the, the other thing I want to mention, and this is kind of a selfish, lazy GM thing. If you have a party that has conflict that doesn't mesh as a cuz there, there's there's kind of two schools of it there's the I want to say like the players don't like each other and then there's the characters Well no no it's not that but it's the we're not we, we, there's the we're yeah we're a team for whatever reason we may not like each other mm-hmm. or whatever but then there's also the we're a well-honed machine which mm-hmm. is what you see a lot in like um, like MMORPGs when the people are in, in guilds oh, yeah. and they're like, you do this and you do that and yeah. everything just works. They, they try to work together as best or as they possibly e. can. That's like two kind of different <laughs> they things. They don't role play though. For, or even Pathfinder. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it can happen in a lot of games, but it happens sure. a lot, right? Yeah. But there's kind of two different schools of having a party that works together. But the, for, for the GM... For the party that fights a lot and has a lot of conflict, every challenge you come up with is going to be more challenging than you anticipated. Mm -hmm. Everything is going to be work for them. Everything they earn is going to be hard-earned because they're, they're fighting and they're not agreeing about what it is they're going to do. Or maybe someone is like really obstinate and might even try to like, like sabotage something yeah. or who knows what. Yeah. And, and, and that's having that inner party conflict is not a bad thing. And I think that's yeah. something that people need to realize. Having a conflict, having tension between the characters, not the players, but the characters, is interesting. No, I, I completely agree. I, I think that is, that's kind of what I was saying earlier, is that more more often than not, I find that really interesting to play yeah. at the table. I think where it becomes less fun is when you, like you pointed out your character, or if your character was, I, I love how that, that happens where you have to get wrangled or you get pulled in and you're kind of grudging about it or grumpy about it, um, but that causes good interplay between the characters versus somebody who's just going <coughs> to refuse and wants to constantly be, you know, right. Batman. Well, I've, I've had that I'm too. There, there's I'm dark, a, I'm always on my own. To be fair, there's a point in these games where you, you have to say... I mean, I could I could just sit here and block everything and then could just go home because there's no reason to be together in a group. At some point, you have to come up with a reason why you would yep, do right. the thing I, or anything. As a GM, I also really like the idea that we've used about here's what's going when you're starting the game. Here's what's going on in the mm-hmm. game. Make a character that would mm-hmm. get involved in that. Right. Well, and again, that's just why I say it's and not that at all least on the gets GM. them all in the same place yeah. at the same yeah. time but and on the same page, at least for that first thing. It's not right. all on the GM; it's also on the players. And Absolutely. at some point, maybe the GM needs to say to the players, "Like, guys, here's the deal. If, if you if you really want to play this game, we we can you know you, yeah. you may have to deign to work together, 
but good things are going to well, happen. That's kind of Subloid was saying the, a similar thing earlier uh, about thinking it's really important to have that session zero together at the table right. without somebody going off on their own. I think so. The, that's, that's the, the, the chat room mentioned yeah. the fact that they said Stork did not make his character when the other when, when Sam and Kimmy did. That's not true. He was here for that session. We didn't record Tim it. was the no, only one didn't. that wasn't. Tim made yeah. his character separately. Right. But but Stork made his character yeah. here with everyone else. I just made it really quickly and left because it right. was easy. I kind of had a concept. I had a... The movie, uh, was it Into the Dark or whatever? It's a bunch of, a bunch of redneck oh, vampires that drive around in the van. In the, in the, yeah, that was the one, yeah. Oh. And uh, Lance Hendrickson. You remember the one? You remember that movie? Yeah, but I'm all sad about Bill Paxton. Yeah, I know. No, they, it, we were talking about that when that happened because he, there is artwork in the actual World of Darkness books that looks like it's just ripped off from It's Near Dark. Mm-hmm, that, yeah. Oh. No, right? It, I don't know. It's. There's a couple of it. I kept trying to track it down. Anyway, carry on. I think that's one, but I know what you I'll mean. Yeah. Yep. So, I, I kind of based it off that because I, well, I love the idea like, of a bunch of redneck biker vampires driving around yep. the mayhem in a in a. There's a lot in more. I've had painted all the windows of the van and they're driving around. It's pretty <laughs> awesome in the desert. I, I'll always love that image. Is it near dark? I'll check it out. The carry uh, on. It, 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 I'm done. I don't have anything yeah, to say. Cool. Okay. So thank you, Mike. And yeah. yeah. No, it's a really good topic, though. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me. Um, um, yeah. When we did the survey, a lot of people wanted me to run L5R for the next game, like after the oh, sure. after fair. However, two or three times that many people wanted me to run GURPS. Really? So That's like, awesome. Really? So what I did is I, I put there's a, there's a poll on the forum, uh, and it's really I got to put a Carlin on you too. All right, <laughs> no, I'm right here. I was just checking no. out near dark Maybe, for the yeah. win. You're right. Yeah. No, I'm talking about I the think dog. Dave was saying the same thing. <laughs> the barking. Her, she, her voice changed. Yeah. yeah, she's now started. It says lower voice. But the the um, um, there's a there's a poll on the forum under the first thing under show feedback and stuff. Okay. I'll, I'll pin it so it stays up there. Um, and you can go in there and vote. And I think right now, when I, last time I checked, GURPS and L5R were neck and neck. Really? And the other thing that I was thinking about running was a Vampire the Apocalypse game. And that's... Werewolf. Werewolf. Yeah, yeah, Werewolf yeah. the Apocalypse game. Uh, that would take place in the same continuum and in roughly the same area as Mode of Sin. And there might be... Crossover? Possibly, but what it would probably be is alternating weeks, and maybe someone comes to the island, and so one player from the werewolf game comes to the event, or vice versa. That's awesome. So it wouldn't be like because we we don't have the ability to like put two tables together and have twelve people here because we don't have enough mics. I don't have a big enough board, and just it's like it'd be chaos. It would be yeah, it would be absolutely. But there's voting. Yeah, there's voting cool. going on. So if you have an opinion on that, there you go. I, I will vote, but I will whatever wins. I'm there. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, the the GURPS the GURPS red dawn is pretty intriguing. That that's oh yeah. It, it's the 1984 version of Red Dawn. As it should be. Yeah. Really? I, I, I kind of like the real the version. New, of I kind of like the the remake. It was fun. The thing I didn't now. like about it is I don't think North Koreans have Humvees and M1 Abrams tanks. No. <laughs> That's and, like. and here's the thing: GURPS works post-apocalyptic so well. Oh yeah, it's so good for that. I've always wanted to run a commandy game, right? And I think GURPS would be better than Hero or Champions or Savage Worlds. Yeah, GURPS would definitely do it because you're basically picking up stuff off the ground and fighting for your life. Well, it would all depend on what kind of feel you wanted for it. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Because 
that game would work in any of those systems, but they're going to give you a little bit a bit different oh, yeah, feel. No, 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 we, we, the, no, the nice the nice thing is you get GURPS high tech. You want to know what an AK-47 does? Because you just picked one up. There's all the stats for an AK-47. Yeah. They're right there. And every rifle you or can possibly... Rifle you know, I, or... I, I, I get that, and I don't disagree with it, except that the Hero System Equipment Guide has the exact same information well, oh, yeah. For, yeah. for Hero. Except it's all right there. The, the Hero takes longer to... now it's 50% more pages. I'm still going <laughs> more. I'm still to go on with the Steve Jackson guys. Great. So, so now it's truly pages. the size of a telephone yeah. book. They're le- they're, those are... Did they come out with a, a standalone new edition? No. Oh, they haven't. Okay, sixth is. Still they're they're not going to. Sixth is just the the last edition of Hero System itself. Well, it, it is big enough that it actually stands up on its own. I mean, it's like Literally. the monolith from two thousand one. Uh, it, We're not wrong. <laughs> I think so. It's the book that will break if you drop it. Yeah, because it's so heavy. I mind and, it. And, and mine a bunch of, break your floor. It if really, you drop truly it. is the monolith from 2001 because a bunch of monkeys show up, you know, with our savage worlds <laughs> and our. Uh, we look at it and go. Zach, Zach from uh, SD is in the chat room going fight, fight, fight. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I, I love GURPS. I, I, I think GURPS is wonderful. It'll be I, deadly. I'm yeah. going to make sure that everyone makes two characters. That's all. Because any game where you've got any game where you've, you're playing GURPS and you've got rifles, I'm sorry. There's a real good chance that you get in a firefight, someone's going to die. Even a bow. So uh, it takes time to aim for your eyeball? Oh, or your, or your heart. Sure. Yeah. yeah, minus nine. I mean, it will at least, it'll at least ruin your day for a long time. I... I Aimed for two rounds and and mm. took out the big bad. Um, and you got to figure game. this is like me. There's no mm-hmm. magic. Nice. There's no magical healing or anything <laughs> like that. It's like first Taylor, aid. You can ha- you get a point back. <laughs> <laughs> what three ones crit? Right. Oh yeah, rifles. Rifles one shot people. Well, all the I time. did it with a bow. I shot. I, I aimed for two rounds and shot a guy in the eyeball with a bow. Right. And I, I didn't. Nice. Get two, I didn't get three ones, but it was. <laughs> It was pretty. It was, it was good. good. Well, good I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, a bow it usually does. Uh, I think thrust damage plus a couple. I mean, to it doesn't, the eye. Well, if you, but it, even if you hit someone in the chest or in yeah. the torso with a bow, you're probably not going to do more than six or eight points of damage off the top of my head. I, I so it's the function. I, that's in, not going to in the real universe. It's the functional equivalent of a twenty-two. Right. That's not the same as getting hit with like a three oh eight or a oh heck no a seven six two or a high velocity two two five. All right, all you gun nuts though. I hit you in the eye with a bow because the MOOC basically said it was lethal damage. It in is. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, I, I get. I get it. If you if sniper rifle, but a bow is a bigger. bow and a rifle is a rifle. I know. I'm not. I'm not going to sit around and wave my dick at you anymore. <laughs> but rifles are way more dangerous. <laughs> sure. I get that. Your as dick is bigger than mine be. because Steve Jackson. Went in a bunch of medical <laughs> medical did. books, and he learned about hydrostatic shock. Yep. Which I don't think bows move hard, fast enough to do, but they do around moving at three hundred thousand feet per second does. They do some, but not nearly well, as much no. as a bullet. Right. Uh, the muzzle velocity of an M sixteen is thirty six hundred feet per second. I don't think it's that high, is it? I thought it was below three thousand. Nope. No, okay. Thirty. I'm sorry. Thirty two hundred. Okay, that might that, that sounds closer. All right, uh, I uh, you would think Stork would roll well in GURPS. No, his his unluck knows the difference. It knows what kind of system he's playing. It's true. <laughs> his luck actually has its own intelligence. It's true. And it goes oh. And it's, now at first sentient. he might roll real high, or he might roll real low. 
But after a while, his luck will realize, oh, shit, this is a low roll system. Okay. Right. And then next thing you know. Yep. 18, 16. <laughs> it's 14, 16, 18. Why, was it, why weren't you there when I was rolling my D&D character? <laughs> uh, an email in three parts from Daniel, who would like to read this. Uh, I'll read. All right. Okay. A forward. As it was correctly noted that postscripts in an email are somewhat pointless, I shall, in the memory of the late, great Sir Terry Pratchett, be using... Oh, it's the footnotes one I just volunteered for. When I say footnote, you own the footnote. Okay, got it. Uh, Be using footnotes for informative and comedic effect. And you have to do them in your NPR voice. Oh, NPR. Oh, no, I'm not. I'll be Cherry Glazer. I'm not, because there's there's an accent that's involved with this. Okay. Oh, okay, right. To the venerable Mr. Venable and his merry band of musicians and mischief makers, greetings and salutations from Sunny... Footnote. Go ahead. Oh, you're supposed to no, read no, the footnotes. Finish, finish the rest and I'll do the sunny Australia. That is, of course, it's still sunny by the time this email is done. Victorian weather has been described as having a split personality disorder for good reason. <clears throat> Brace yourselves. This is a long one. I've broken it into three parts, so feel free to take a drink, a breath, and discuss the content therein between each. Oh, you know, do what you want. I'm not your boss. <laughs> Part the first, a response to the response to the argumentative player. That's meta. <laughs> I know. That's I, a fourth wall break within a fourth wall break. <laughs> it is. While I wouldn't dare counteract any of the sage advice offered in dealing with troublesome players, all of which is sound, but in this particular instance, I fear that you may be missing an important factor. You can't see the forest because you are, in fact, the trees. <sighs> Dun, dun, dun. This is a behavior I've seen before and as a regular GM gone to great lengths to excise from my games. I call this behavior Gygax Syndrome. Let me begin my explanation of Gygax Syndrome by stating something that is going to be wildly unpopular. Dungeons and Dragons is not a role-playing game. Dungeons and Dragons is a tactical miniature combat game into which some non-combat mechanics were inserted like a badly performed Botox injection. (laughs) If D&D is a role-playing game, then so is Mordheim, Infinity, or any other skirmish-level war game. And it was designed this way by Gary, accurate timekeeping, Gagax. (laughs) It was meant to be played much the way Descent is played, adversarially, as part of tactical combat game, uh, part deductive puzzle solving, and the important part is the adversarial part. Now, I'm not going to disagree with that because the story I'd heard years ago when I first learned this was that this sort of sprung out of a wargaming. Yeah. Oh, it did. Yeah. It absolutely did. What they did is they padded out the wargaming and they realized they had this time in between. The role-playing was something that, that just happened by accident. So, yes, it still primarily it? and came out of a miniature's well, Arnison, Arn- Arn- the one that sub- uh, allegedly injected the... Yes. Per- yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, look at... The rule set. Just forget, you know, look at the rule set. Look at what's there. (laughs) Everything in the game, like 90% of of the rules are about combat. Mm Mm-hmm. Not about role playing. No, no. And about combat. And when and when you play the red box, and, you play chainmail and, and, and look character at it. advancement. It, it's 
What, what happened? Which is, is combat. What happened is they took they took these, yeah. this giant sort of map with all these sort of because how do you get experience? And they parsed right. it down to a one on one combat. Well, once you have a one on one combat, now all of a sudden people are like, I I challenge you, sir. I I, I pit to you, and uh, and and, the, and strategy happens. But they found themselves talking to each other, and then that's. Well, it, where the game happened all of a sudden. It's, it's a real common tendency. When when I went and I was when I, went, I was at the con and we were talking about Team Yankee mm-hmm. yeah. before I, yeah. I drank that Kool Aid. Um, <laughs> As you which were you drank a lot of, yes. beginning to drink. The I drink deep, deep gulps. I can see the suspenders showing up now. Mm-hmm. Right. I I I'll get some nice red ones. <laughs> the the um, uh, they. I think the tendency to dirt, turn it into a campaign and create a story out of those games mm-hmm. is very strong. Because even those guys in the Team Yankee thing, they've made up, the, Jim and, and Mike and all of them, mm-hmm. they've made up a fictitious city in like West Germany or something. And they're recreating battles around the taking of that city. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, they've created this campaign with this fictitious city to create this story... Right there, and now that's not obviously on a, you know, one-on-one skirmish level game. It's a slightly mm-hmm. larger. But you can see it descending into that. At some point, let's say the commander's tank and the other commander's tank are the only ones left surviving, and they face off. And you, as players, you suddenly start taking on the role of the tank commander, right? And exactly. you open up your t- thing and say, it's "You, sir, I challenge," or you know what? This has gone on long enough. And all of a sudden, despite yourselves, in the middle of this miniature game, this perfectly good war strategy game, you're now role playing. I can right. certainly see how a role play could break out yeah, of that. And, I'll, and that's, I'll, I'll bet I, you that's yeah. how they came up with the idea for D and D. They're probably yeah. playing chainmail or some yep. similar yep. game, and they parsed it they down to a one-on-one chainmail. And right. they, and they, yeah. Small unit skirmish yeah. mm-hmm. where you've got like five guys, mm-hmm. and you know, to make it interesting, fantasy related, you've got you know, a wizard and a and a you know something, and but it started out as a small unit skirmish yeah. thing. It just, it just did. It, it, it's completely organic. I can see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, and, that's now the focus. And and Dave Arneson went, back. "Hey, we could do a thing. This is more fun. We could do a thing. <laughs> right? And, yeah. Now, I, now, I don't. I have I have issues with whether you call it a role playing game or not because then you start getting into what is the definition of a role playing game, which is not. A helpful conversation, generally speaking. It's not. I get Probably where he's. I get where he's coming productive from. Conversation. Yes. I, I get where he's coming yeah. from, and yeah. I get why he's making the point yeah. that he is. Um, but I don't know that I necessarily completely agree with him. Oh, I don't agree with him at all. I, I mean, it, on this point, but I get where he's coming from. Right. Yeah. I, I completely derailed this. So anyway, Dana, you were in okay. the midst email. Him. <clears throat> What I get from Mr. Argueface is that he seems to be playing to win because he expects the game to require this approach to succeed. A behavior long coded and rewarded by early role playing games and which remains firmly embedded in the design of Pathfinder. Not to mention the minds of older jams who seem who've never seemed to shake the habit of seeing Pathfinder Society the <laughs> Comma the. He's playing to win, so he's fishing for every minuscule advantage he can to preserve the party resources and keep everyone on the quest rails. This is Gygax Syndrome, and I fear this guy has it bad. The cure, of course, is two tablets of thespianism and a big cup of trust. Ooh, I, you know, I like this guy's writing prose. <laughs> it's good. Thespianism. This is, I of have course... A fever. 
And the only cure is thespianism. That was cowbell. You know, old man. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that. I looked that up and watched it. I'm today. tired of. I'm tired of acting. I want to be an alligator. <laughs> Go ahead. He's probably an acid. <laughs> uh, we're missing the the dudeism thingy at a, a beer belly tonight too, where they were going to have some. What? Oh yeah, the the yeah. dude the dude con is tonight or the, this weekend. Slide oh raised, yeah, isn't it? Slide, yeah. Is it where? It's it's here. It's in L.A. Yeah, of course LA. it's in L.A. Where else is it going to yeah. be? It's in a bowling alley. <laughs> yep. I think it is. It's probably it the is. bowling no, alley. It is. It's the one they shot at. I'm sure it's a, which I think is in Burbank. Yeah, because I remember mentioning it to you a few months ago yeah. that I'm like, whoa, it's going to be in L.A. this year. The slack, what do they call it? The, the Dude Fest dude? Anyway. I think no, it, no, I can't remember. I'm, I'm so, looking for it. We're such terrible hipsters. Nerds. I know. We're horrible nerds. All right, carry on with the thespianism. Okay. <clears throat> and a big cup of trust. Big cup of trust. This is, of course, if he did it to Lebowski the Lebowski Fest. Oh, that, no, 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 okay. Uh, this is, of course, if he did it to the husband as well. The misogynist asshole theory may still stand, but this brings me to my second point. Part the second. Oh, that was the, yeah, this is the, uh, now I'm remembering which email this was. <laughs> yep. This okay. is the one where, where the people were assuming because the GM yes. was a woman, mm-hmm. this, that it was, a, it was a sexism thing. But there was a husband and wife or boyfriend, girlfriend in the game also, right? Right, uh, I think so. GM, and you he, had the he was GM playing and her husband. Yeah, and then you had a boyfriend girlfriend, and, and then there was somebody playing, else. He was I, playing I, for her and his making girlfriend. Decisions. Yeah, yeah. and I believe the female GM was her first time doing it, and Jim right. was Jim was incensed. Yeah. It was oh, I was livid. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I was livid. There was there were talks of violence. Yes. I remember that because <laughs> yes, I was yes. like, that was really violent. It, it, trigger warning, apparently yeah. with Jim. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. it is. Uh, uh, yeah, Lebowski Fest, Los Angeles, March third and fourth. So today and tomorrow. Yay. Uh, tomorrow. Yeah, you can buy a "Shut the Fuck Up, Donnie" T-shirt. Yeah, no, no I'm going. What, Where is it? At Beer Billy, they have a whole menu. That's. Uh, yep. I we'd have a game tomorrow too. Oh, wow. oh no, this isn't it because this is in Kentucky. It's here though. But the, the, well, let's carry on. Okay. And we, we can look this stuff we'll up, look up later. It up later. Nobody, nobody okay. cares. Part, the, part the second: the Jackson Arneson Gygax Spectrum. I have occasionally quipped to friends that as time approaches infinity, all role-playing ca- games approach fate. Wow. The recent changes wait, to... Wait, 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 yeah. just a moment. Let me, let me digest that. As, as, as time approaches infinity, all role-playing games hmm. approach fate. Okay, so it's, they're all going to get distilled down to that. So he's, uh, all right, so he's got... Well, it, well it's kind of like... Remember I was talking about how fate was like the grasp at the brass ring mm-hmm. of having a role-playing game where all of the, the, the game mechanics simply become part of language. And it comes back mm-hmm. to the pure storytelling, the, but, because, but when you use certain phrases and things that triggers certain mm-hmm. rules to happen and things like that. It's the, it's the Daniel theory of fativity. You guys are so smart. I play right? gangrel. <laughs> Is, oh, that's the, the, that's his. No, that's what I'm calling it. It's because okay. he's saying that it's that as time approaches infinity, all role playing games approach fate. And his name is Daniel. It's Daniel's theory of fate activity. Okay. 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 
The recent changes to the World of Darkness games in New World of Darkness 2E seem to bear me out, but I digress. It does feel like, on the whole, the gaming industry with the blossoming of indie studio. Wait, wait. Oh, no, okay. wait. That doesn't feel right. Uh, what's the word uh, for blossoming? Um, uh, but for fungus. Fungus? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, with the blossoming of indie studios is moving towards narrativism in games, which led me to the JAG spectrum. Jackson, Ernest, and Gygax. Please see the attached Mm -hmm. image. Uh, How are you going to show this to the audience? I have no idea. (laughs) Quality radio! It's a triangle. (laughs) Which I will briefly describe as thus. A triangle chart with narrativism, gamism, and simulationist marking the three points. I feel like this is a useful tool for both discussing various systems, especially for new groups trying to decide on a system that suits everyone, as well as charting the progression and evolution of tabletop gaming. Uh, or possibly just adding another weapon to the Arsenal or the Edition Warriors. Time will tell. Except, uh, I would say, and this, this goes yeah. all the way back to the, the cr- crunch apocalypse debate between <laughs> Tappy and I, which when, when, when a, he finally sobered up and explained what he meant, <laughs> I agreed with, which is fate itself, the mechanics of it intrude on the, ga- on the gameplay a lot. I disagree. I both agree and disagree, but it I understand. Could, it, I understand what it could he's become seem, for sure. It could become yeah. seamless. The yep. more you, the yep. better you know exactly. it. Exactly. The the, yeah. the the better it's going to go. Yeah. But the mechanics affect almost everything, as they do in every game. That's not true. Uh, I see. That, you play swords and wizardry. All you have is a combat yeah. system. Anything else you want to do, the GM has to make it up on the fly. There are other games where it's like and there's you, a lot of games you hit, like I defend you. This I right. even you don't, you, don't yeah. actually, you don't actually have to mediate yeah. between these two. It's actually yeah. it's actually a good point of, of, of contention. It's okay. Yeah. It's all right. No, I know because I I both and I both agree. I both agree. I both, both agree. I mean, there's 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 plenty of games <laughs> yeah. that are role playing games that don't have any rules about role playing whatsoever yeah. in them. We no, just, we I, just like, talked about you the, take the, this on D and D being a miniature game, and I would assert that in in that circumstance. The GM is crafting rules on the fly. He might be, or and he might just might be. be and it, it might just all be in his head. He might be going, which, that sounds which, okay. I'll let that which, happen. But if he's going to have any consistency about how he does that, he has some rule set, maybe in his brain, maybe about how he arrives at that resolution, and he also has the trust of the players to accept that. And that's the key, really. It, it, yeah. it, no matter what story you're going to tell, whether it's Amber Diceless. Yeah. Which has rules. Diceless, I guess, but yes. Steaming cup of trust. Yes. Yeah. Right. But I don't... Or at least buy-in. I mean, yeah. I don't know... I mean, I don't know if I would put fate on the narrative side. I also... I, I, I don't know how I, accurate yeah. how accurate the narrative gaming simulation I, trichotomy I, really is. I find is. rules and randomizers basically are there for players who don't trust GMs and don't want... And they... they Fall back on the rules to try to hold the GM accountable for making sure the player can do something. That's well, it usually also, what it descends. The game okay. part of it makes it more fun. It we, does. We have 
but it's social mechanics. Yes, I know, I know. But that's what it, that's what it seems to happen. But eventually, what happens is that the players trust the GM, they trust the story, and they forget about rules learning after a while. If you're doing your job if right, they, if they end up, if they can are capable of trusting the GM, or, and if the GM is worthy of trust, again, it has to be earned. Trust has to be earned every time. By both players and GMs, and it has. And, and if the story is good, eventually the players stop worrying about how cool the, or, or I, what role they're going to get to take advantage of the situation and get caught up in the story and want to. I, I help agree tell with your story. principle about trust. I think that the focus of it is not the GM. It is not trust in the GM. It is trust in the table. Well, okay, it's, it's parsing words, but yes, it's eventually what happens is everybody gets comfortable, and we stop. Looking up rules to make sure that you can get the effect you wanted and just let let it happen. Well, and and I think the point is the same thing can happen in fate if you're comfortable with fate. Right, this is about Which fate. Is what you're Steve, right. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Have to, yeah. Way to bring it back. Thank yeah. you. I mean, now, I, I've, I've only I've only played it yeah. twice, uh, kind of, and it. But it's not. Um, but I I find myself. Staring at the character sheet, looking Absolutely for something agree. to do. Mm-hmm. And no, I agree. Which is no different than, than a player staring at a GURP sheet, looking for skills yeah. to see what's going to work. But, or a D&D but sheet, figuring out To me, use. a narrativist game would be more like Apocalypse World Games, which is, has such a simple mechanic, it takes you five minutes to figure it out, and it's just a matter of roll the dice, yeah, and then you right. go... You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't look think... at my playbook. And go. What yeah. moves have I got that no, I can I'm, apply right now? I don't now? even think fate yeah, you, builds yeah, you a, still because you're playing a game. But yeah, yeah but it, and I'm going to stop so with, Gina can talk. I'm, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just laughing. No, you guys were good. But Starker and I were making funny faces. To me, a, a, Apocalypse World. <laughs> uh, yeah, you still are looking at your your moves and, yeah. and shit like that. But there's not as much of it. I agree. And it's it's more like I've got my my yeah. four or five moves or whatever, and I'm like, uh, well, none of them really apply. As opposed to, here's my ten aspects, and then I have to sit. There. Well, okay, there whatever. Be five. Okay, whatever. There's only five. All right, but yeah, going through and then trying to think: is there some way I can make that fit in this situation? You know what I mean? You start looking at the words and you start word lawyering. Well, I don't know. At least I, if, I, I did. If, I'm if like, the character is, is written to be, uh, maybe it's different when you write your own character too, but. Um, uh, probably, and I, 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 I don't that, know, that, and I, I, I could be, and I could be absolutely wrong, but I don't think fate tries to build bill itself as a story game, like a story game. No, it doesn't. Um, I think it wants to do cinematic, fun movie types of. I, I'd agree with that, and yeah. uh, and also to be generic, uh, generic enough that you can do absolutely anything you can a- conceive, absolutely. and it wants to remo- yeah. remove minutia. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I totally agree with that. Now, but his point is, think, all games are moving towards narrativism, yeah. moving towards fate, yeah. and I'm disagreeing with that. I, I, I'm agreeing. And I, I'm disagreeing with the fact that fate is narrativist. Yes. I know. That is up in I, that, I, that I, corner. I want to kind of point out a couple of things about fate, just in, in the, the doing of fate. You're a hero guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Writing good aspects, there are two things about it that I think people need to keep in mind. One, I think writing good aspects is an art form mm-hmm. unto itself, and two, it's not supposed to be done in a vacuum. Okay, right, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you, we're supposed to be creating do it, creating the characters together, mm-hmm. and as we do them, there's like a process you go through. And 
So it was like, oh, so here's my high concept. Right. And the rest of the table goes, well, that's cool, I dig that. Or, oh, what about this about that? Or we, so There's we, some give and take. We give right. in, we, there's a little bit of give and take. And the same is true of stunts. Okay. And those are the main things about a character in Fate. <laughs> what did you unplug? I don't know. <laughs> I, no, I didn't mean to disrupt you. I just, no, I'd be like, it's something, honestly, something was on my foot. I honestly, Stu, because of it, it works a different part of your brain than games we normally play. I don't think I understood what I was doing at the table for like six different games. Because I would get little tiny parts of it, but I was like, I just really don't understand how you create these aspects. Like the table, you know, on the, and Sorry. I really don't understand how you, and that, and then all of a sudden, I played a game, and uh, you know, it just it kind of right. clicked. I, like to I'm, your point, there's definitely a learning I, curve to that. Yeah, game. there I am right absolutely there with her, had right. the exact absolutely. same experience. Right. Took me longer because she's smarter than me. Um, but I, it was an epiphany moment uh-huh. where I was literally sitting at the table and we're playing, and we're going, and I just did the thing, and I went, and it was like. The world just kind of stopped for a second. I was like, what did I just do? Yeah. Well, and part of it for me was playing Atomic Robo, uh-huh. um, which is a little more like Fate Accelerated. Yeah. And so, I, yeah. I think... Let me turn your mic back up. Thank you. Oh, I sorry. To, I'm screwing the I was. I was screwing the cable. <laughs> I think... You were screwing a cable, fate, what? I think Fate and, and to a certain extent Numenaria and a couple of the games are... are are geared towards people that aren't used to role-playing. And what I mean by that is... I Hold on, let me give you a couple of examples. When we were talking about uh, Numenera to... Uh, was it Fear the Boot? We were on with him. Uh, I was sort of railing against it and saying, you know, if, I, if I'm going to play, do this, I'm going to say... It, and he very quietly said, yeah, but you've played games <laughs> before. It, it's aimed at people that don't know what to do. Fate... Uh, uh, this happened again recently in the forums where uh, Dave Kazay was... Uh, being sort of taken to task for not using his compels. And he says, but I have a group of players that go towards the f- the bad. You they don't need to be you compelled. Don't, we don't need to be compelled. <laughs> they they want to do bad things. What that's, that's the characters he built. Well, and, but that's We're the, monsters. But here's the thing. A lot of people in the world don't go towards failure. Right, right. And fate kind of will compel you towards failure if you're not a player. Or complications. Or complications. If you're not a player that seeks them out. Right. So a lot of people that are maybe perhaps used to min-maxing, winning, or just aren't used to role-playing need a little push to you- to do something interesting or different, right? And they get rewarded for it. But if you're but already in fate, I mean look at look at we're gonna be playing it again tomorrow. We seek the bad. We we well, seek you should, errors. You should still get rewarded for that. I'm at, when when he may or may he's, he's, he's yeah. not using a regular fate yeah. point thing. He's he's no, and that's chips. that's the other thing but, I was but, gonna but say in Dave's defense. It, it doesn't have is that mix. he's doing no, his own thing I'm not, also. I'm not bagging on Dave. That's not my point. No, I know you're not. My point being that that if you if you've never experienced failure or the chance of failure or taking that chance that's what fate does is it pushes you to make that choice <laughs> or so Boyd is just saying the same thing that I just did which is Stark that's a self-compel and the character yeah. should be rewarded okay yeah, yeah. no because that's it doesn't, oh my God. It doesn't yeah, have to be the, the we self-compel all the yeah. time right. oh and, and you should be rewarded for that yeah that, we, that was the point I was going to make we call it because of a friend of mine named Colin we call it dark side candy where it's <laughs> <Right>. just like <laughs> 
Power of Colin compels you. The, yep. Ki- the Kyle Gas Band is playing tonight, and it is it is in L.A. Just the guy who's organizing it was living here right. or something. All right, cool. That dude can roll, man. Man, that creep can roll. No fucking eagles, man. All right, so uh, hey, you're uh, Get the fuck out of my cab. You're uh, you're not done with this email. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, there's there's, there's another, more. another section. Lordy, oh, wait, there's more. Lordy, lordy, lordy. Uh, there's a triangle, three points. Um, do you see the edge? Okay. Um, I feel like this is a useful tool for both uh, both for discussing various systems. Oh, we did that part because we just did your thing. I put D and D firmly in the gamest corner along ga- corner. Along with skirmish wargaming, groups occupying the simulationist point and games like Apocalypse World, Fate, which we just described or discussed ad well, nauseum. I take issue with that. Uh, and the mm-hmm. like loosely uh, and the like loosely in the narrativist third. And the like loosely. And the like loosely. It's very uh, I, I put fa- I put Fate more in gameism. I would too. The, the, well, the, the, fate, point, the fate point economy. Two nerds I, I, enter, one nerd leaves. I, 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 I need definitions. I need what his definitions are oh, right. before I can. That's one of the things that makes that makes this triangle not oh, helpful sure. because people have their own concepts of what those three words. I need to know what is is. Definitely know what is. I would put apocalypse world as you said, Stu. Yeah, I think so. In that narrativist corner. Now I think an interesting um, thing that he does here is coming up in a second. Okay. Uh, right. Although their exact positions are up for. Debate. <laughs> weirdly, editorializing I, a bit. I know. That's why I whispered. Uh, weirdly, I place Savage Worlds smack bang in the middle. Ooh, smack bang. How about that? Anybody want to talk about that? Uh, I think I might agree with that. Um, the I think it feels game like that. Wi- game wise, game gameism wise, yes. Um, narrativism, because of the fact that you only have so many rules and you put skins on top of them, I think that relies on narrative mm-hmm. a lot. I, I think I think I would probably agree with that. I, I might move it farther away from simulationist. I would. I would. That's that's I, what um, I was. I've always say seen Savage Worlds as, I get as that. I, light. I get that. I mean, simulationist that. here, instead of being right in the middle of the triangle here, I'd probably put it a, a little closer that, to the except other wall. Except that, GURPS is still an abstraction of reality. Sure. So, well, so are Savage Worlds is just a, more of an abstraction. So is a computer simulation. But the math works. Yeah. If you think if you if you run it through, the yeah, math the, works. Right. This is a crazy thing that I did online. That's not a triangle, but you can actually get what type of gamer Did you do this for this? Conflict, social No, fun, I did this back immersion. in I, Really? Yeah. That's me supposedly. What? What am I? I'm. I can't. Oh, it's remember. one of these. It's I one think of these that's me. Polls you You're kind of okay. pointed toward conflict more. Yeah. It looks like. Oh yeah, because I like. No. But oh, wait, that not might immersion be, though. But no, that immersion. actually might be. Is that my friend? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this one's me. Eighty-five uh, percent conflict. Immersion seven percent. Really? Strategy seventy-seven percent. Social fun forty. Is it like a test online test? Yeah, it's this play, uh, Quantic Foundry, where you can. It's all about games and gaming. So it's games in addition to. So all the spam you're going to get is going to be game oriented after taking that test. So this is more about uh, not tabletop games, but games. So that's probably where the immersion thing is lower for me, because if I'm playing a tabletop game, it's going to be more about. Uh, social fun conflict strategy. I'm sorry I've been ignoring the chat room. That self-compels and characters should be rewarded for it. Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 okay. (laughs) 
I think is Dave in there? Uh, actually, D- Dave says fate is always a fiddly bastard of a game. There, I said it. <laughs> is that Kazay? Dave? No, no, that's Dave. That's um, uh, Dave Hoover. And they, Dave, I'm is, gonna have to run some more fate for you guys. D- Dave is Dave is well on record saying that he he's given fate enough chances he doesn't like it. Yep. What's he think of Apocalypse World? Because uh, he actually asked me. A I don't know. If, about I don't know if he has an opinion on Apocalypse. World. Well, he played it. Yeah, right. I think he, he played it last. And, and at Va- Con. Vampire Fifty Four says some games really need to be run by a veteran. I Unfortunately, agree. you know what? If you have a game that requires a veteran GM to play it, you're Nobody, fucked. Nobody's going to play it. Most of the veterans, well, that, that, most of the veterans I know that have played games like that have PTSD. I have literally, and that's probably different part, kind of veteran. Part of for both of our not experiences. really. He was a conscientious objector. No, man. they went, they went <laughs> through hell, man. They had to learn that thing. No, the the thing is, um, in most situations. Uh, players are going to get together. They're probably going to be teenagers. They're going to buy a yeah. book. They're going to stumble through it. They're not going to have a veteran GM. They're going to screw it up for a long time until so. You know, what? I was reading the book, and then we've been doing this wrong. I mean, that's the way I learned. Right. Over You're going to do a thing yeah. that feels like it works in the moment, and then later on, somebody's going, "Oh, we did the thing wrong." No, but that's okay because then you you grow together. Right. Is it okay though? Because we are parsing these rules, and we do get in everybody's well, face for somebody, doing it wrong. I, this isn't about your game, and this isn't about Dave. But I think if somebody's going to run Fate, they want to read the book. You got to read Fate Accelerated at least, or something. Yeah. You want to oh, kind oh. of because well, otherwise it, that goes without saying. For yeah. if you're going to run Truth. anything, yeah, this is not about. But I mean, yeah. but if if your game requires a, a an experienced GM to be able to, to have a good experience in the game, you got to wonder what you've made. I'm sorry, I, I don't know I, that you have to be experienced. I think to get the fluidity and to be able to mentor and to, yeah, that it's going right. to take time. I think I think that if you if if we grow. Up, Brought a group of players in here who had never played Fate, but had played maybe D and D a couple, a few times. Right. Okay. We'll set them at, at that level, and we set them down with a Fate book. Okay. There are going to be things. Things are going to go kind of haywire for a while, but you know, hopefully, they're having fun with it, and they're going to grow. And I think that at different moments in time, different players and, and the GM are going to have. What I referred to as the epiphany moment, sure. When it's like, oh, and I think you're gonna have more than one because you be like, that's how that thing works, right? That's what that does. Um, but you know what? I think the same is true of every game. Well, it it, it, it is, but at least a lot. But the of point, games. but but my, my my point is, we played GURPS wrong for a long time. It had yeah. a fucking blast. Yeah. Sure. If we played Fate wrong. Would we have as much fun if things go haywire because we're not understanding it? I think, I think, so. I think that's going to depend uh, entirely uh, on the same thing that's going to dictate whether any other game is good or bad. Sure. Yeah. The people sitting around the table. Right. And and how how good the story is that you they're creating. My feet story. are sticking into the floor because you guys have beaten okay. this horse into glue. Okay, keep going. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> uh, part the third. Part the third on going cold turkey on saying no. Okay. Uh, it... it uh, Sergeant Dan or mm-hmm. said fate is a high crunch system. The crunch, however, is not math; it's in language. Fair enough. I'll buy that. What you guys? Are, okay, okay, I'm not. Yeah. Carry on. Move on. Go. I, I actually might go. disagree Hurry with up, that, go. But, I'm, but I'm going to move. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, <clears throat> part the third. Okay. Well, the tip of the week. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have been asked 
That was scarily good. I will, I will, I will estimate out of the two hundred and seventy or two hundred and eighty responses to our our um, survey, our survey, probably fifty people in somewhere where they had to type something out said, "Never play that again." Yeah, no, I, I hated that. <laughs> Well, that, that was the footnote. Was the footnote was seven. Well, maybe was, if we had a different sound for the tip yeah. of the week. Well, it, it wasn't working because it, 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 it only gets prepped sometimes. We and we forgot to and do that was the other the thing this week. And yeah. let me say the footnote yeah. actually says a wa a wa a wa a ha. But I, I, I'm interpreting that as <laughs> don't don't. Wow, that was creepy, creepily good. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, 280 responses is actually a lot for a survey because it was. It took about five minutes to take it, and that's a lot to ask people to do. And, no, it is. It, and right now, is. everybody's milk just dropped. I'm sorry. Yeah, I've, every time I get an email about a survey, you guys, if they say the survey is going to take me more than 10 seconds, like nope. Oh yeah, yeah, just nope. I like when you answer a page of responses and then you click the thing and it goes like eight percent, and I'm like, fuck you, exactly. Yeah, right. Fuck that. I'm um, out. <laughs> I thought I'd share a bit of GMing wisdom from my own experience. If you have difficulty internalizing yes anding, it's okay. It happens to all of us. I suggest running a game in a system where the protagonists are so ridiculously powerful that saying no becomes almost a literal impossibility. I like this idea. I know. It sounds awesome. This happened to you with that vampire game. (coughs) I ran Scion followed by Exalted 2E in quick succession and the realization that there was no earthly way that I was going to be able to control or block them once they committed to a course of action was, on the whole, a remarkably freeing one. Those are both games. I mean, Uh I'm not familiar with Scion, but Exalted, you're playing a god. Yeah, Yeah. Scion, same thing. You're playing a god. I was reduced to throwing new and interesting speed bumps at them and watching the monster truck that was the party rampage entertainingly on. I like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two of the most successful, entertaining, and memorable games I have ever run. On that note, please take a drink of your choice, and I cede the floor to the next email. G'day, etc. Daniel, Carrot and Stick on the forums. Daniel, I have... Yeah, yes, he was eternally unfinished L5, all groups come to this, and uh, I'll get to it someday. Carry on. Daniel, this is possibly one of the most well-framed emails we've ever read. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, Daniel definitely is a, is a closet writer if he's not uh, Compelling out shit yet. there. Yep, <laughs> compelling. Role-building uh-huh. assumptions from Mr. CJ. Stu, I don't know if... Uh, I don't read that. Just get, no, go on to where it says Buckaroo Stu with him. I, I forgot to take that out. People like, oh, yeah. sometimes put messages at the top, and I usually remember to get rid of them, but I didn't remember that time. Stu, so I don't know if you, this is uh, good for the show. I just thought I... Uh, I just said don't read that part. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Skip a bit, brother. He actually did. Stu, I don't know if this is good. Okay. Buckaroo, <laughs> Buckaroo. Stu and the Douchebag Cavaliers. I love that. Maybe file this under something to think about. Uh, in many ways, where are you going? Wait, I'm talking to you. He asked. Okay. Maybe file this under something to think about. In many ways, the campaign world that is created by by GM and players are a construct that in reflects directly in our own world. I'm, I'm, all I can think of is uh, Monty Python's The Mind. It's like an egg and stuff, and the guy keeps anyway. Go look up the Monty Python sketch, The Mind. Here is something I was thinking the other day. 
One element of many fantasy. I can't get Aussie out of my um, out voice. Uh-huh. One element of, of of many fantasy settings is the idea of a pantheon of gods. There's usually a group of good gods that have various domains like war and victory and wisdom and harvest, etc. There are also a group of evil deities that have their own domains like death and darkness and orcs and so on. In the U.S. and the West in general, our society today is one that assumes monotheism. And the fantasy world construct that we create still has elements of that monotheism in it. So, a paladin or cleric will worship, in quotes, or follow one deity and perhaps only pay attention to others in an adversarial way. It is a real interest. It is really interesting to see how our norms overlay that imaginary that, space. That that's interesting. That yet, I don't know if monotheism specifically means that you believe in only one god or you only worship one god. I think um, it means you believe. Monotheism, by definition, means there is only one god. So he's not. They're not technically monotheists, right. but they're. I th- I think kind the, of right, and yeah. and I get what he's saying, but I think that the salient point here. Is that in a in a pantheistic world, when one is a cleric, it's not about worshiping one god; it's one serves one god. Same for a paladin. No, well, you and I have had discussions about this. Paladins are chosen; clerics choose. Uh, we've had that discussion before. I think it depends on the backstory of the character. It does, but paladins paladins are, and I guess clerics are given power by the god that they worship. If they choose, if they right. stop worshiping that god, they don't get power anymore. Right. Or uh, in a paladin's case, if he fails in upholding the gods' That's ideals, he doesn't get powers anymore. Paladin, paladins, paladins, and and clerics are more like soccer team fans. <laughs> <laughs> Explain. Well, they are. They, they don't like the other ones. Uh, I mean, there, there's a, people like me. I, I don't. I don't have a follow a soccer team. Yeah. So like, if there's a game on, because I kind of like that's the only sport I really kind of like watching once in a while. Not a lot. I don't uh-huh. seek it out. But if it's on, I'm like, oh, I'll sit and watch the game. I don't really give a shit who's playing. I just kind of watch the game and enjoy the experience of watching the game, especially during the World Cup when like you know Trinidad and Tobago yeah. is playing Pakistan. It's like that's awesome. These two people probably yeah. never even heard of each other's country. I just and love when they say go go right. Yeah. But I mean, but I don't give a shit who's playing yeah. or who wins or anything yeah. like that. So I'm like the mo- I'm like the polytheist, right? But the polytheist, right? But right. But <laughs> but the clerics. Well, no, he's like. Well, here's. It, I love that analogy. It's a good analogy because, yeah. because I want I want to parse it down even more. And if they if, if you're if you you follow you know Barcelona or, or whatever, there everyone else is a bunch of fuckers. Sure. Especially if they ever beat Barcelona, <laughs> yes. right? Now using that parsing that down even more, clerics to me are fans of Palinor or Barcelona. Right. Paladins are the players. I could see that. I could see that. Um, Paladins are hired by the god and given powers directly by the god. So the gods are the owners of the team. Yes, they are. (laughs) And if if that paladin fucks up, they kicked off the team. But they know there are other teams. Yes, they do. And there are other. And and it's quite possible that another team owner might pull that paladin out, and now it becomes you know what used to be an anti paladin or is now working for the other side. That makes paladins much more interesting than just a a a, you know a, a cleric that can swing a sword. Because okay, that's a yeah. fair cop. But no, that's a fair cop. Um, but I think that the point that he's going to get to, and the point that I th- find most, is that your common everyday person mm-hmm. is kind of like, oh, whose day is it? 
Exactly. Yeah. You know? That yeah. is what he's getting to. It's like these clerics and, and right. paladins or whatever. Oh. We're, we're imposing our view of monotheism on a polytheistic that's, right. world. That's right. exactly right. it. And I think. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that not to steal his thunder because I think that's the point. One of the points he's going to say. He, he make. is. Yeah. Because um, I like, think you're right. In, in, the, in the Forgotten Realms, one of the things that's like a big point that gets made in the books is uh, the. One of the sea goddesses is her name's Umberly, and you, when you're going out sailing on the sea, you make offerings to Umberly, so she'll ignore you. Okay, <laughs> right. Well, and, and I think that's always the the thing about a fantasy world is that the gods, <laughs> no matter which one you believe in or not, because you should believe in all of them, or whatever, which one you actually pay homage yeah. to, have power and affect your world. Right. I mean, you can't say and you can be a worshiper of Palinor and not say that another one exists. That's not. That's not what because they do exist because yes. they can affect the world and do. Right. right. I mean, yeah. in, in 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 historic polytheistic societies, you it, it was all of them. You, right. I mean, if you yeah. if, if your house, you would have a you'd have a, a place right. where you would worship all of them, or there certain rituals or things you would do for each one of them. Right. Uh-huh. You you might yeah. have one that you gave paid more attention to. Maybe. This Maybe is this is something I've given a lot of thought to. I, he, it's right. He's yeah. bringing up this he's point. Going, that a lot he's of going here in a second. So before, I don't so. want to steal his. Let's finish up here. Is, uh, as a counterpoint in Greek and Roman polytheistic uh, society, the gods are usually angry. One goal of worship is to appease or pacify the deity. A person may worship or sacrifice to a variety of deities based on the needs of the time, like for harvest for one of the gods, to travel successfully to another, uh, for luck, worship a third, uh, for victory, sacrifice to an antler, yada yada. If uh, I added that. If it was uh, hot for a long time, to appease the rain god. Uh, if it is raining too much, then appease the sun god. Also, a person will likely be involved in several festivals for a variety of deities throughout the year. The Roman calendar was crammed with them two, three, or more a month at one point in their history. The idea of having to pay attention to a whole legion of deities puts a lot of weight on the GM's shoulders. But also, in terms of backstory and world building, can be a very interesting, or it can be very interesting as the lives of characters intersect the various responsibilities associated with a variety of deatic, uh, deific requirements. An example: a peaceful village may have a shrine and festival uh, to the evilest of gods as a way to pacify them and save the village. Many players might automatically want to end that practice, but it is something. Th- but is that something they should do? Then, of course, in a fantasy world, there may be tangible consequences stopping. Then, of course, there is the question about what exactly is a god? A volcano? The sky? A river? Unseen, untouchable elements? An ancient dragon who can destroy everything in its path? A titan? A giant? A sphinx? Uh, may also basically be there, considered gods. Next... How do gods interact with people? In many campaigns, they are invisible with little interaction with players. In the Iliad, for instance, the gods also took sides and even took part in the part, uh, in the conflict personally. There are uh, there are other of the others of those of these assumed overlays on fantasy and science fiction campaigns. Assumptions like money, uh, the idea that are standardized denominations within a country and within uh, between nations, language. The idea there is a common tongue or that people who speak the same language but live far apart can understand each other. Legal systems, the availability of quality of food, the ability to travel, agreeable weather systems, yada, yada. Uh, MRCJ. P.S. Nah. I'm not feeling it. No P.S. Move along. Dude, you have brought up yeah. a huge amount. I mean, we can't. This, this is like well, so, ten shows to discuss so, all of this stuff. Some of the, some of the stuff, like, deep, like, deep, stand, deep like, stuff. like standardized currency. 
we we I mean most games do that <laughs> simply because it's they just don't want the pain. In the that's why it's, it's gold because gold it becomes a, a bunch of bookkeeping. I think right. that's the to do a similar theme with all all of those yeah. other things. No, no, yes. I get why he brought it up, and I yeah. understand that. Oh, but, no, but, but but yeah. he's yeah, yeah. You've brought up some really great, interesting topics that people have discussed and will keep discussing. Uh, I think books have written, rap, written about this. <coughs> but let me slow down with my talking. I think book, <laughs> books have been written about books this. Been. All of a sudden, you're a scully wallet. I know. Uh, I, and I and I really like the way your your thoughts are going with this stuff. It's it's hard. We can we can analyze this stuff forever, and it, it makes a great topic over beer and chips. But I, I mean, if you're going to start parsing this down for your fantasy campaign, you're never going to actually run your fantasy. You're going to do so much bookkeeping. <laughs> you really and your are. Players are going to be doing yeah. so much bookkeeping. Yeah. I, I, it's I, like how many? Well, you've traveled across many, from Aquilonia into so, into. So, how many gold thumbs do I have, and have what ex- are they worth? You have to exchange your gold now to Electrum because that's what they use here. Yeah, you know, and and with the languages, again, the the thing is, if you have five countries, and each one has their own language, and you have five characters, one from each country, and none of them speak the languages of the other countries, you now have player characters who can't communicate. You're, you're, you're going to be playing charades. You're which Sumerian, you entered in Aquilonia, right? Which could Good be entertaining luck. for a little while, or if that's the kind of game you want, that's like some. Right, construct Fish out of in water the game. Right? But sure. yeah. eventually, characters are going to learn other people's languages. They're just going to spend points on it or whatever, right. and then that whole thing is going to become a non. Or don't punish your players by having them spend their experience to learn the language. Just let them know, learn the language. Oh, look, which it's universal brings us language. right back to a universal language. Right. Um, I do like the points he was making though now, about the polytheism. Yeah, and I, I like his points. I, yeah. I agree with Gina. I like his points. Yeah. Now, one of the things where I think things can get really interesting without having a huge amount of bookkeeping is when you go from one country to a different country and their laws are different. Mm-hmm. You know, here's an example. I was playing a paladin, interestingly enough, uh, of the god of justice, of <coughs> law and justice and things like that. Goes in, we go into a city, and, and they're obviously slaves being kept. People, collars and, you know. Right. And the GM, I, I could tell right off the bat, the GM expected us to go, slavery? What the? Ah! And, you know, conflict. And, you know, I'm a paladin, so he kind of jumps on me about that. And I turned around, I looked at, the, at a shopkeeper, I said, is slavery legal here? And he said, well, yeah, it is. It totally is. It's a big part of the economy. I went, okay. And I walked on. And then he was like, but, but, I said, it's legal. I'm not saying it's just or that I'm going to leave it alone. But it's legal. We're going to deal with it differently. Sure. Yeah, he was expecting you to like start fighting yeah. everyone. No, exactly. No, no. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and, and that's actually an example of your monotheistic god being overlaid on, on the... Because you could easily say, you know what? I was reading over my god, and he's kind of a chaotic neutral. I don't think slavery is really is... Uh, I don't think he has much of an opinion on it. Sure. That would... So, maybe... You know, but my point is, if you that, serve a dark, conventional god, <laughs> you can have that interesting thing of, you know, where the expectation of the law is different from the actual law. Yep. And like going back to his thing about the village. So you go into the village, and maybe like they're like right that day in the middle of doing their yearly virgin sacrifice to their to the god that they're just trying to make him go away and leave them alone. Right. Yeah. 
the Wicker Man. Exactly. Exactly. Reading this reminded me of, um, I highly recommend uh, Neil Gaiman. A uh, book just came out called Norse Mythology. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I, I, Neil's I, good stuff. It's a, oh. it, it's a, I have not read, read one of his books. I kind of started Neverwhere or something like that. Okay. I don't remember which one it was, but I have one. It's in my queue. Cool. Right now, and I, I should mention this because we talked about it earlier. Um, Terms of Enlistment by, what was his name, Klaus... Oh, Carl Kloos, was this what you were talking about earlier? Mm-hmm. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, our, our secret listener in, in Antarctica... We can't mention his name? No. Okay. Our secret <laughs> listener in Antarctica um, suggested I look at it if I liked Starship Troopers, and boy, are they fantastic. Cool. I'm loving it. I hope he's still in Antarctica, if there's still Antarctica to be in. It's a continent. I can't, I can't confirm or deny. Okay. <laughs> um, Pretty sure Antarctica is still there. Melting, right? Well, if you believe in that. There, well, well, no, it's it's rock. Well, there's it's also there's also dirt under the there's, yeah. there's rock. It's oh, not, all right. Yeah, there's, the, a, there's actually a continent underneath. Yeah, Antarctica is not going to go away. It's not the North Pole. Yeah. You should talk to some of the people I work with. It's crazy. Anyway, carry yeah. on. <laughs> so, sharing the plot and session breaks from Liam. Liam. Dear Stu and the Doucheroos. Liam from here. <laughs> from Liam from here. Yeah. <laughs> he got you. I like that. what he said is exactly yep. accurate. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Writing in to describe an awesome GMing win I had, and to ask your thoughts on sharing elements of your plot and, with and your players. And to be players. fair, the page break is even better. Liam from here. I'm. Yeah. These. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> that could, might be my. Point. <laughs> I was running a coc. Call of Cthulhu Cthulhu campaign, recently using the Delta Green setting. We were about halfway through a fairly intricate investigative scenario when we got to the end of the session. Unfortunately, due to the sanity-destroying horror that is adulthood... (laughs) (laughs) Truth. So true. (laughs) True that. Yes, testify. We were forced to take a three-week break between sessions. Scheduling issues suck sometimes. The unfortunate side effect of this is that the players had plenty of time to forget all those complicated clues they had compiled. And with Call of Cthulhu, that, I can see that being a, a big problem. So yeah. Three what? weeks is a big gap. So, when you can't play for three weeks, Johnny, what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I considered just giving the wow. players the synopsis, <laughs> but that seemed like a boring option for everyone. Or just starting a new adventure and letting the old one fall by the wayside. But I really liked the plot, and it was important to the theme of the campaign. So I really wanted to finish it. It's called Cthulhu, man. Yeah, run with it. You gotta, you got to. So I just flat out told one of my players, there are only two in my group, the general outline of the scenario. Not everything, but enough to give him the shape of things to come. Hmm. I had the other player's character wake up, strapped to a bed with an IV in his arm, and a bright light in his face in the classic interrogation trope. What do you do? Threatening voices <laughs> demanded to know what had happened on the last mission. At first, he was reluctant to cooperate, but I started bombarding him with facts from the last mission. We knew he'd been in New York. We knew he'd talked to NPCX, etc., etc. And after a few minutes, he haltingly began to relate the imperfect details he remembered. With liberal jumps, we covered all the major points of the previous session and continued the adventure in this new form. 
as we reached new material, we alternated between RPing the scenes and jumping back into the interrogation room for commentary, essentially telling the story as though it were flashbacks. I know you that's, that's, right? that's fantastic. I am stealing I that idea for, a con- so for an upcoming cool. con game. You've actually incorporated it into a game you're working on. <laughs> Flashback's a big part. Yeah. yeah. I had intended the first player with whom I had shared the plot to act as a second interrogator and to zoom in on insignificant details to add a sense of paranoia and to contribute his own memories of the clues. Fortunately for me, he either didn't understand what I wanted or had an even better idea. He started playing his character in the other character's recollections and keep and kept asking about tiny details in the other character's story. What color was the door? And what was the cashier's name? Was that cop wearing a name tag? Was he certain he called an ambulance? He even started referring to NPCs by different names than the ones the other player remembered, all while pretending that everything was totally normal. Awesome. He's became like the closer, didn't he? <laughs> Such brilliant play here. That is. I just it's brilliant. Both players did an amazing job, and because one of them knew where the adventure was headed, he was able to lay down foreshadowing and extra detail like crazy. It worked amazingly well, and was one of the creepiest and most atmospheric Call of Cthulhu games I've ever run. I like that. I was so happy with how it turned out and so proud of my players for just going with it. And here's a great note as a GM, or people that are you know frustrated GMing, that's why you GM right there. You are proud of your players. Like, you, you, you had a, a, a situation you didn't know how to resolve. You had a situation that was like, I don't even know how to fix this. It's been three weeks. All right, I'm just going to do this. And then out comes this, this thing where the do players loved it. And you sit back and you're like, not only did that work, but this yeah. was awesome. So you, you yep. as a collaborative storyteller, s- created this great adventure that everybody's going to remember. I mean, that's cool. That's yep. very cool. While it's not something I would do every week... It was a really neat way to deal with a lengthy gap between sessions, and it resulted in a really memorable experience. Do you guys or gals have any thoughts or experience with sharing metaplot information with players this way? Can you suggest other creative ways of dealing with real-world breaks that impact the game story? Are we as GMs sometimes too protective of our precious plots? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Absolutely. Cheers and smooth douching, Liam Frum. P.S. Drink! PPS, I flew into LAX from Sydney on the last day of Strategicon last year. I stayed at the Hilton, but tragically was too jet-lagged to hit the con floor. What the fuck? I'm like, dude! You were right there! (laughs) If if you get back and you're flying through on con weekend again, come find me, dude, because I will buy you a beer. Yeah, totally. Uh, Creative ways of dealing with real world breaks? See, I like to skip time. Yeah. That's skip time. Because your mem- say, that's memories the... fade. The mm-hmm. characters' memories fade as much as the players did. <laughs> um, that's not creative, though. <laughs> I, I lean heavily on the recapping skills of Sam. one of my players. <laughs> uh, me too. No, yeah. that, uh, actually, that the note taking skills of one yeah. of my players. Um, I. Have you ever done the meta plot? Shared meta plot with people? Because I was going to say I couldn't think of. No. One so. time when. That's happened. I'm not sure. I, that I've depending on the game. Like for example, with your Moda Sing game that we were all playing with my with my archaeologist with the sherds. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I want the meta plot explained to me at all. I right. have no idea what's going on, and, yeah. and it is a really creepy, scary, interesting game, and right. I am completely 
un, it's all in it. We found a room with blood. Yeah. We, I, I will. We, I will yeah, say I that no the, idea. the so emotion sh- for that game was very real. And, uh, the, but, the uh, but I'm not scene? even just sure. I want that. I don't. I'm, huh? I, I think yeah. it might depend on the maturity level of your players, maybe even their style of play, right. whether you make that choice or not. It might I also be. I think that that's always the solution. Situational. Yes, I guess that's what I'm saying. Um, I, I related yeah. a story last week. Uh, we were because we I'd been talking with some other guys, and we talked about you know the case where like um, the hot blonde shows up and seduces the, one of the characters, and you know they they go off and do the thing. And the next morning, she's gone, right? Well, she's a setup. She's totally setting him up and distracting him while the bad guys put a bomb in his car. But that's a specific. I think it, it is. But I'm, I'm getting I'm getting to the okay. to the meta plot part All of it. Right. It's not meta plot. It's meta situation. Yeah. Okay. Thing um, where the next morning, you know, the guy wakes up and she's gone. Well, this is a clue that something's. Probably not. No, that just here. happened to me in my twenties all the time. I was. Say. <laughs> right. Yeah, but but if I was lucky, they were the actually G- gone. Otherwise, I had to wind and dun them and make as them as go. As the GM, away. though, you can say, you know, that doesn't happen to you. That's that's like that doesn't happen to you. You know, and you're you're giving them some kind of inkling that something is wrong. And then when they when they say, okay, so, and you say, what are you going to do now? I'm going to go across town. How are you going to get there? I'm going to get in my. I'm going to drive in my car. Call Uber. Okay, cool. Now, as you walk up to your car. Because we were using Savage Worlds as our discussion point. Roll perception for me to see if you see the bomb in your car. Here's the thing. If you fail, you are getting in the car and turning on the ignition. That is happening. Now, it's a very meta way to do it, but and, and I can see how it raises tension. Because everybody's like... Yeah, but it's, right. the, it's the meta situation, yeah. though. Yeah, that's yeah. the kind of thing that I, that's the, the thing I, was I see what you're saying there. At. I see. I get it. I, I see what you're throwing down. If you if you continued if if you said okay we're going to pick up that conspiracy which I, I, I do yeah. want to do yeah so would you would there be a way you would think of that isn't just okay we're going to recap where we left off my inclination yeah. for it and people hate doing this but my inclination is to. St- have the players, same players, make new characters yeah. and find a newspaper article yeah. that describes this bloody scene in the mountain town among the dead were blah da 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 Right. Can I offer a suggestion? In uh-huh. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, remember, because the game, the game happens now. Remember, I had my little, my little teenager, yeah. teenage girl with Dave's uh, mother trucker. Right. And then we did it again with the archaeologist. Mm-hmm. And it's been long enough now that making new characters is a viable option. Well, the, uh, the, kind of the, okay the whole character that. generation system from that version to this version oh, has yeah. changed. Yeah. But, I, but I'm saying we've had a year, two, two years. years. God, I'm, yeah, I'm maybe even yeah. okay, if, even if this was an established game system, I'm maybe even okay with making new characters and starting again with that meta plot having maybe advanced forward, but we're now starting Because at some point you're like, I don't. I lost my character sheet, man. I don't remember what he could do. I don't remember. I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what my, my motivation. Well, I mean, is. The, the, I and, the, and the whole thing that setting has built into it a start point for every campaign, which is you're sitting someplace and the the, and the TV goes. This is a, a test of the emergency uh-huh. broadcast system, and suddenly you look around and everyone else is staring at the TV, and drooling, and you're like. Your- and there's shit going on that you don't understand. And there's explosions and things, and helicopters flying, and you're trying to. But but <clears throat> with a large gap, I think I'm. You know, if, if three months, maybe not so much, but three years, a year, I'm like, 
Uh, yeah, can we just start over again? Well, we do, <laughs> we do fair, so there's yeah, always a three-month yeah. gap in every campaign we play. We're, <laughs> we're pretty good at remembering it. Right. Anyway, Jib, I'm what sorry. Were you say? I was going to say, um, given the players involved, mm-hmm. I might throw it at them and say, so what happened to, you know, in my case, Marty Simmons? Okay. You know, um, Kelsey Dagger. Right. What was your dude's name? Uh... I think it was Dude Dave Ed. Flugelhorn. Oh no, it's Dave no, Flugelhorn. Yeah, and it could be it, it could be on the lines of, okay, you get into you guys got into this situation, you came into this town, did you survive? Yeah. Well, and if they survived, that if they're gonna, they could maybe have the option of playing that character. Maybe they know a little bit more than ever than the other characters do. Right. Or maybe they're like, no, I'm going to make a new character. Now there's an NPC out there who's yeah. seen. Right. Yeah, that, that's where I. That was like my gut reaction for Marty. Right. Was Marty survived? Marty's in hiding. Oh, you bet your ass he would be. Yeah. Marty is totally in hiding. Right. And um, and so he's an NPC for you. In that's in that campaign that that sort of second session of that campaign you guys never even saw the bad guys did you uh, no you. we right. saw we guys in trucks yeah. but not those aren't the bad guys yeah <laughs> no stop that we don't know sorry i think i think it was in the first one my little tank girl punk rock girl we all like got into a building remember we were still sussing out your combat yeah so, so it was a way and deadly. we started again but but that, i think that's as close as we ever got to encountering the evil that is right. whatever it is. Wow. Remember? No, I, I listened to that Remember one. the punk rock girl? Yep. With Mother Trucker? Yep. I do. She was kind of a, a template a good, for Albert, I guess. That's a good thought, though. Yeah. I, I love that, that, that. I love the idea. And I love the fact that right? the player's like, this is... No, that's where awesome. Where were you? Where were you? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. fantastic. The that other thing fantastic. is, on my wish list of things to, for me to, to play and not run... Call of Cthulhu is high on the list. Yeah, I mean, playing outrun. Well, Got it. The, I, it's funny now you have a list, but that's good. <laughs> now that there's now that there's has been a management change at at Chaosium. I'm I'm again pro Call of Cthulhu. Okay. Well, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but okay. Do you specifically want BRP Call of Cthulhu, yeah. or do you want a Call yeah. of Cthulhu BRP, game in some system? BRP, the actual okay. actual Call of Cthulhu. Okay, that's uh, that's on my list of things I want to play. Okay. Now, obviously, it can't be Massonar Lothotep because I read the book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I myself have always had a hard time running Call of Cthulhu. I think it takes a special person, maybe, I to think be able to to be able to spin that mood to, to create that. And it needs, it's to, it needs to be a small group. It does, and they need to be invested, and they need yeah. to be okay with failing. And oh, that's that's uh, what that's it's a, about. That's a yeah. pretty yeah. specific yeah. niche. Of the players. Shall be four, and four shall be the number. Right. Of and players. they need to be okay with failing because because that's what Call of Cthulhu is all about. If you get a bunch of people that are, you know, well, I'm not. Right, we've beaten this horse to Galoo again Scooby-Doo. too. Yeah, uh, that's where my games ended up. GM yeah. horror story from Down Under from Andrew. Good day, douchebags. That's right. I'm a first time writer, long time listener. Long time listener. And I've been I have to have to turn the night down on again. <laughs> and I and, and I have been building courage to write in for a while. What courage? There is no need for courage. No need Just for write. Courage. Yeah. They even read my crap. Right. <laughs> I've been racking my brain for things to write about. I was grasping at straws for questions or issues I'm having with my games. So instead I've decided to start off with a dreaded Horror story. Start off light with a dreaded horror story. Oh, start off light. Right. Yeah. It begins long ago when I lived in Adelaide. Adelaide? Mm-hmm. Adelaide? 
That's right. A city that finds itself as the punchline of many an Australian joke. The gaming community there is good for its size. And I had found a good group of players who were invested in role-playing. Nothing was going to stop us. Uh, we had players. We had played a, a game already in this group where the GM, who was brothers with a close friend of another player, had set up a one-shot that eventually turned into a four-session game. It was great, but the brothers ended up disagreeing after the game finished on real-life complicated matters, and we lost the GM. He killed him, Jesus. Well, it's, they're Aussies, <laughs> after all. <laughs> oh, I disagree with you, my brother. My brother. Stab <laughs> <laughs> in the face. Here's a snake. Uh, <laughs> I, I would, I would have normally grabbed the banner and taken lead as GM, but I was halfway through a master's degree at university college in the U.S. Oh yes, which so one? I, we don't know. So I opted out. Instead, we shopped around for a GM and found two guys willing to join us. Where one insisted on being the GM. He was a always a GM, never a player type guy. If that's a type, it it's is. A, it is a type. Let's call him Rob. Not his real name. Let's call him Hosier Rob. No. Oh, no. <laughs> As a coincidence, there were bro- they were brothers. <laughs> with the older one being the GM. Same as the previous game. More coincidences. Well, it's Australia after all. Aren't they all related? Right. That's, I don't think that's true. I don't think they're all related. Well, I'm sure they're going to come over here and beat me up over it. They might. And their brother. And they play rugby, which is a probably yeah. the most hardcore sport there is. Right. And, and then their Except for, like, play rugby anaconda too. wrestling. Right. <laughs> In rugby, the principal form of protective equipment is to keep your ears from being ripped off. Sure. <sighs> yeah. And their first aid kit is a bucket of ice. <laughs> oh, filled with beer. That explains all the <laughs> explains all the all the all the all the torn off penises lying around on the sidelines. Everybody's got their ears, but the penises are lying around there. It's terrible. The game was Dungeons and Dragons Second Edition. Around the, the time Fourth Edition and Pathfinder were big things, but the GM wanted to run Second Edition. The younger brother, well, at the time, yeah. With fourth edition out there, I think running second, second edition, edition is kind okay. of the forgotten edition because it because it wasn't broken enough to actually make uh, no. make any waves. I, I stopped playing D anD D before second edition came out. I did too. I only never played, played it briefly all in college. Played, all yeah. the people played, I played with played second. Played yeah. the crap out of they second edition. Second. Yeah. I had so many second edition books. Yeah, the younger brother. Let's call him Pete. Pete? Let's call him Stinky Pete. <laughs> you don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Offered us all pre-gen. Well, he's Australian. <laughs> I apologize to my Australian brothers <laughs> for Stinky Pete being part of your. They all smell like eucalyptus. Carry on. <laughs> what? God damn it! <laughs> but everyone in the existing group really enjoyed character making. So when, when, he offered us pre-generated characters, but everyone in the existing group really enjoyed character making, so he declined. I put aside time over the week to make my character, and I decided on making a paladin, and wrote a short paragraph about his recent backstory and why he would be roaming, roving around with some cell swords and treasure hunters. Sorry, I mean murder hobos. <laughs> Come the first game, I'm checking something. Okay, come the first game. I'm ready for an old school romp in role playing. Rob sets out the campaign world 
even describing the time of year and the and the effects on the local festivities. You were all re- I was already engaged and excited. You are hired. You are all hired to travel a week into the forest, where you will meet a guide who will take you to an old castle. There you will meet. You will need to collect a MacGuffin. <laughs> explained Rob. We bought our traveling gear and set off. You know what? That's. That's standard. Fine, right? yeah, standard go, shit. Go pick up a Scotsman and come back. Ach, Megafin! Aye. Ah, laddie! By the way, the forest is dangerous with orcs and bandits, Rob warned. Oh, excellent, yes. I sharpen my sword before I leave. That's fine, we thought. We are adventurers. Yes. Plus, I could practice my God-given evil-banishing powers. Yes, what could possibly go wrong? Half a week into the trip, we finally meet some orcs. Half we, a week. I hope they didn't that do could, every... No. Okay. No, no. I doubt it. Uh, we have a camp set up, and we choose uh, for uh, the sleepless elf to be the night watchman. The poor elves, yeah. They don't sleep. They get to night. Yeah. They must get cranky after the first They're always years. cranky after like a thousand years of staying awake all night. Wouldn't you be? Yes. Elitist. Uh, roll, for perce- roll a perception check, asks Rob. The elf rolls and passes. Like they Succeeds. Do. Yes. Um, that's, uh, passes is Australian for succeeds. Uh, <laughs> this does make more sense if you read it in Australian. Right. You spot some orcs in the tree line. Roll initiative! Because the orcs are ambushing you, they get to go first. Wha- uh, what? But he made his perception yeah, check. I know. Wait a moment. Fascinating. Isn't that the whole point so of making it? It's not only the, the water check? that goes backwards in Australia. I, I, it's I, like... I guess when you make a perception check. You actually get to see the ambush as it's falling yeah. on you, but don't actually get to react. Okay. In right. Australia, toilets flush you. That's right. <laughs> In Australia, when you notice an ambush, it's already too late. It is. All right. When you notice the ambush, you've already been struck by the arrows. I get it. If you go swimming and, you know, you get stuck by a Portuguese man of war or, or, or one of them, their box jellyfish, it's too late. <laughs> oh, look, it's, I've been ambushed, and you're dead. <laughs> All right. Uh, I was excited. Yes, my mighty paladin was asleep and wouldn't be smiting orcs in his shiny armor. Instead, he Aww. would be in a nightgown rubbing sleep out of his eyes. And maybe with a nightcap, the little thing yeah, with the little yeah, paladin paladin on with him. Him. And a teddy bear. Paladin <laughs> in a, in a night, night dress yeah. with a cap sure. and, yeah. a, and sword and shield. A, What's a sword all this then? And a candle on one of those little right, holders. Right. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I'm I'm in, I'm there. Patrick, played I'm, by Sir Patrick Stewart. I'm there so go. there. Um, Paladin, uh, but that's fun. Paladin, what's your uh, two hit armor class? T O I C Thacko. Yeah. What does it T O I C mean? I, I don't know. Unless they called it something. Oh, he th- he doesn't remember it was Thacko. Yeah. Okay, or whatever. Thack zero. Yeah. Um, whatever Watsy decided to call it in second edition, he asked Rob. <laughs> Ten, I guess, because I'm asleep and I'm not wearing armor, I replied. Pete grimaced mm. at this. Stinky Take Pete 20 grimaced. damage from Olk arrows, <laughs> said Rob, after rolling a few dice. I furrowed uh, my brow. I'm uh, dead. I'm dead. The rest of the group, they must have been first level characters. Yeah. The rest of the group, the original guys, were shocked. Seven days' investment in imagining a, a backstory. A personality, all gone without even waking up. Sweet dreams, my prince. <laughs> Stinky Pete didn't seem surprised at all. His character also died in his sleep. It seemed like the peaceful thing to happen, passing away in your sleep. 
There no. was sound asleep demon of the fairies, and all he, of a sudden there was an arrow. What he should have done is like what I'm talking about if I run the GURPS game. Make two characters when you yeah. got to make one. I guess, just make two. I guess if you're going to just murder your players as they sleep, I mean, why not just yeah. have them have well, Here's a stack of characters. If we run, if I run the GURPS Red Dawn game, telling you ahead of time, make two characters. I'm going to let the dice roll. You take nine points of damage I from know. a rifle. I, your ass is going to die. I get it. Oh my god! There's I'm not going to be any combat. You know that, right? Everybody's going to be digging holes. And like you know, squirreling away stuff do. for the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, and yeah. I'm gonna have the players figure out what team, what, what the name of their team, and what sport they played at high school. Because they all would have started. They'll all be like high school students, yep. and it'll be like a year after the invasion. That's awesome. And where they're from. I'm so making. The yeah, no, cheerleader. I want to play that game. Yeah, the I'm guy athletic. cheerleader. I'm the one guy cheerleader. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> Where, he wears the, letter, the sweater it's, with the. Uh, it's uh, uh, the SNL character from uh, that. Uh, Colin, Fer- not Colin Farrell. Um, anyway, yeah, anyway. that guy, yeah, that guy. the tall one, the funny one. I, yes. I'm over him now. Um, Will Farrell. Will Farrell, yes. The party had to go back to town, half a week trip, and recruit more characters <laughs> to replace Stinky Pete and I. Stinky Pete whipped out. Two more pre-generated characters, and I begrudgingly took one. I can't even remember what it was, and you'll find out why soon. <laughs> Without any mourning for the loss of, of life. Murder hobos! We went back to the forest, back on the adventure. Half a week trip. Half a week into the trip, we had set up camp again. This again. time, I decided to take precaution over comfort and slept in my armor. <laughs> like clockwork. Clockwork, Rob requested the perception roll from the elf. Another success. This time it was bandits. Mm. Long story short, I died in my sleep again. Again. (laughs) It had been about two hours playing by now, and all I had done was shop for for trail rations (laughs) twice. (laughs) And a ten foot pole. Damn it! Yeah. Uh. I'd hate I hate to say it, but I've played in this game. Yeah. This time, I knew I would have at least an hour before the combat finished. Oh, there was actually combat, but he wasn't involved. All right. So so I began to create a new character on the spot. Pete offered me uh, offered me to look through the pregen selection. I wasn't going to have it, and at that rate, we were going. Getting to the adventure seemed impossible. I couldn't imagine what we'd be facing once we got there. <laughs> so I made a character built for the task. It was the first time I had ever min-maxed in my gaming life. But you know it- what? <laughs> Circumstances yeah. being what they were, that's apparently what you awesome. need to do. I made a dwarf with a ginormous constitution. I dumped intelligence, <laughs> wisdom, and charisma and donned him in the heaviest armor and shield I could afford. I even gave him a small paranoid quirk where he always sleeps in his armor with his shield, it is considered paranoia. But if, if is that is, is it considered paranoia? Is, is paranoia required? Required? Like, I, don't, I don't think so. It's just uh, this is like all right. Yep. So the party headed back to town and picked up Tough Nut the dwarf. Yep, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> he had more HP than anyone in the party, even though most of them were level two by now. Yeah. 
without any mourning for the loss okay, of life. All right. Also, another douchey thing. Yeah. Everybody else is leveled up, and everybody who gets punished for dying in their sleep has level to start one. all over again at level at one. At least they get to Nuts. stay in the game. They're not playing by black blackly yeah, for Yeah, but you know what? You know, you died in your sleep through no fault of your own, and you're punished without any mourning for the loss of life. Murder hobos. <laughs> we went back to the forest, back on the adventure. Half. Half a week in. Oh, it's only half a week now. We no, were ambushed by orcs. Yeah, all right. Every time. We were ambushed you by orcs. You must know that when you get to the campsite and see all the dead bodies, that maybe yeah. it's not a good place to camp. <laughs> yeah. Well, they um, had a no. fireplace. This must be good. They've already alternate, cleared it off. Alternate path, maybe? No. There's Look, a, there's a fire I don't think Let's it camp here. Yeah. No, because it's It the seems whole to forest. be a half week every time. How dare right. you? Forest, yeah. They will find you. Danger of orcs and bandits. Not only will they find you, they will ambush you. He did warn them. They have a particular set of skills. (laughs) I asked, these guys don't happen to be on a round-robin shift with the bandits. This is the swing. Uh, Rob ignored me. Everything seemed like deja vu, except this time... Tough Nut was prepared. Uh, you know what? I'm not a big maxing fan, but this time I advocated. Let's go Tough Nut. He had some kind of ESP, which meant he knew what was going to happen. A special kind of ESP called metagaming. Yes. <laughs> the, the type of ESP that only one would have after dying twice in the same area. <laughs> On the half-week night, he decided not to sleep at all. He doesn't trust the elf, was my half-assed excuse. So when the orcs attacked... Tough Nut was there, awake, to finish them off. He took every arrow that was shot at him, but he survived, and so did every other character. Finally. Finally. <laughs> and that was the end of the session. Five to six hours in, we finally got to the castle where we could actually start the interesting stuff. Three characters died to get us to the front entrance. Those oblivious souls, may they rest in peace. Ah, uh, yes. And they were probably arguably the more interesting characters than Tough Nut. Although, right. you've made Tough Nut... A tough nut. A tough nut. Uh, a tough nut thanks for reading. I will endeavor to write again. Let me know if you want to hear about the amazing gameplay I was I played prior to this. It was in Rollmaster Murps. Um, I've been uh, a lot. I've heard a lot of bad reviews about Rollmaster since playing, and it deserves some kudos, or maybe it was just a good GM. Uh, or not. Hearing about amazing games isn't interesting as the ter- as is the terrible. Um, yeah, send in. Well, this is freaking funny. This is one of the one of the funnier horror stories we've had. It was very. Thank you very much. And I forget. What Do we have time for this next one? Yeah, yeah go ahead. All right. Let's okay. This is a. I, I, I was going to call Andrew. this Thank a you, horror Andrew. story, but it's from uh, the Venerable von Scooterbaden. Now, <laughs> in, in full disclosure, I read this ahead of time. I have mixed feelings over this. It takes me on a journey. I'm not sure I agree with everything, but uh, I'll let you is guys it bad? decide. Is it bad? You'll see. Okay, all right. Go. Um, it it's, uh, has to do with uh, maybe the way it's... Anyway. Okay. <clears throat> Are you going to leave while I read this? I'm going to go pee, and I'll be right back. This is important stuff. <laughs> Hello, lords and ladies of Dushington. I'm a long-time GM and have been running the same L5R world for about 10 years, and some of my players are playing the grandchildren of the first species. And first of all, I'd like to say, awesome. Yeah. Kudos. Ten years of running any game, especially L5R. I told you this so that you can kind of get my sense of history involved with this game. As a GM, I have a few rules which you may agree or disagree with, but here they are. One, I am telling a story, not running a game. 
I will always decide in favor of a better story over any rules mechanic. I feel that the rules are generally guidelines there to enforce consistency. Two, I will always attempt to be consistent in my rulings. However, I will not accept rules debates in the middle of a session. I feel that debating a rules lawyer in the middle of a session detracts from the story, so I try my best not to do it. If a player disagrees with a rules interpretation, I will happily discuss a ruling <coughs> after the session or uh, during an intermission, uh, but never during a session. Three, I will and reserve the right to hand wave or ignore rules and will generally do so in favor of maintaining the pacing of the story. However, if a player continually pulls a teacher-teacher moment, that's what my group calls rules lawyering, that tends to screw over the group, and I'm a teacher, so it kind of adds to the humor. I've been known to rigidly enforce the rule, being teacher, teachered only on the player who brought it up uh, while hand-waving it for everyone else. A few years ago, my group received a new player who, at the time, was interested in L5R, but had never played the game. This player was a natural rules lawyer, and some of the rules listed above developed as a direct result of this player. During one session, this player began arguing with me on virtually every rules interpretation possible until I finally lost it and informed the player that I didn't remember AEG giving me the effing books, and until such time that AEG <laughs> saw fit to return my money, I would run the game as I saw fit. Well, as you can probably imagine, things first improved, and then he doubled down his douchery. That's when the player bring up rules effects that would screw over the group casually in order to remind me this became especially troublesome during combat sessions. It was finally during one specific encounter in which the players were investigating some rumors of taint and potential uh, maho, uh, is it maho? Maho. 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 Blood magic. Yes. Activity that things finally came to a head. One evening, this PC decided he was going to go off on his own and begin torturing and murdering peasants for information. I literally stopped the game, cocked my head sideways, looked him dead in the eyes and said, Are you really going full murder hobo? At which point one of my other players laughed, <laughs> looked this douche and said, Dude, you never go full murder hobo. Anyway, the player tries a myriad of excuses to justify his behavior, ranging from the, I'm a lion and blah, 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 you get the idea. I'm furious to the point of wanting to beat the crap out of this player in the middle of my basement. But instead, I let the PC go full murder hobo. After the evening's events, I fast-forwarded the game a few days, hand-waving the time as the PCs are investigating the village and the surrounding area when the messenger arrives from the Kudanakido uh, with a message for the murder hobo. He was ordered to commit seppuku immediately for the rampant destruction of this large property. If you can't tell, that was me basically telling him I was done with this shit. This is a fake email. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, this is a fake email. He decided, read it. He decided that his character was going to run away and become Ronin, in which his players hunted him like a dog and enjoyed killing the hell out of it. I had the same thought, too, but yeah, let's read on for a bit. That's good. Read on because there is some stuff in there. Sure. And I thought this would be the end of me having to deal with this douche. And to a degree, it was. I received a message from him a few weeks later with a different character idea, and we talked about what I expected out of him as a player. In hindsight, this conversation probably should have happened first. Although he was still has his rule lawyer tendencies, he has since tempered his rules lawyer nature with the desire to be helpful, and I genuinely look to him at times when I am unsure about a certain rule and don't desire to look it up myself. He even has taken to documenting precedents in the game, and I don't have a clear rules governing the situation to help me maintain consistency. A few years ago, we both went to Gen Con together, and we played twin brothers who were both 
Bayushi and Heroes Rokugan event that was taking place. During the game, he played Ibushi and I played the Shigenja. Is Bayushi or they're, uh, they're they're the one of the samurai? I know that's a family, but is yeah. I, I think they're are they Scorpion? Yes. Yeah, we'll we'll read it on. You'll see. Okay. Uh, Played Shigenja. The characters both possessed uh, a karmic tie and luck. During the event, each table. Uh, each table was attempted to put one character toward a main end game event. Oh, During like one, a, like an elimination. Okay. During one combat, my PC's brother was about to be killed by an Oni, and at that moment, I asked the GM if I could spend all my void and luck in order to jump in the way and take the hit. I informed the GM that we both had luck and a karmic tie, and the GM thought it was a great idea, especially because the whole scorpion bend on loyalty. Right, okay. Long story short, my character gets smashed, and as my character is dying, I asked the GM... Excuse me. Uh, if I could say one last thing, he agreed, and I instructed my brother to protect the Hiruma at all costs. The Hiruma was the one player who didn't deal with our scorpions as if they were leprosy, and therefore had earned the loyalty of the Scorpion Brothers. Uh, we ended up pushing the Hiruma to, into the main event, and at the end of the session, the GM running the table informed us that we were the best scorpions he had ever seen at a con. I wrote all this as to say it's not necessary to give up on problem players. The key, at least for my group, is to establish clear expectations at the beginning of the game and that a player buy-in is essential to enforcing those table norms. Thank you, the Venerable Von Skudruboden. P.S. I'm a new listener and really enjoy your podcast, especially in the mornings on my way to work. P.P.S. I was inspired to write this story after hearing another one of your listeners tell her horror story about a trouble player during her first time gaming. To her, I say, don't give up. You are on the right track. There is often a steep learning curve to GMing, especially when you are attempting to establish your position as a GM at an existing table. I suspect there is a problem I had with the guy above. He was attempting to assert himself to a new group, and it backfired on him. PPPPS, take a drink. Going on the assumption this is not a fake email, first off, let me just say, JackerCon is March 11th through the 18th. It ends on Dritzmas. Okay. And you can now go... Ba'a Rune, Ba'a Rune has set up jackercon.com. I think it's a dot wow. com. And it, it's, there's a site. Oh. You can register. You can set up a game. People can sign up for your game. It's actually it's its own thing now. It, it's like it doesn't all have to go. through It's always DT been Pines. its own thing. But no, that's really yeah. cool. Is that, it, it, yeah, there's, there's no the longest time DT Pines was having to, to deal with it himself, and when right. he's gone for three months on a running, crab boat, it's, it's hard to do. Running now? It's up. It's up. I went and looked at it. I didn't well, no, register. No, no, the Jackercon. It's going now. Uh, it starts on the 11th, 11th to the 18th. Uh, About the time we're at fair. Uh, no, well. So anyway, going on, going on. This is the real email because, like I said, I had a change of heart about halfway through the email too because I'm not sure if it's real or not. If maybe at the end of the story, the moral of the story is probably worthwhile. I'm not sure I agree with any of his methods for running a game. I don't either. I don't yeah. either. But I think the moral I, of the story is is which is perhaps good. I mean, now maybe if you have a table with a lot of quote unquote problem players, mm-hmm. and that's what you have, and that's the the bowl of lemons you got. Maybe you have to be this draconian. Yeah, because draconian is a very good word. I, myself, would never behave this way to people I like, <laughs> I, to the, be quite frank. The, I, the rule number three was the tough, toughest one for me. Yeah. But I will and reserve the right to hand wave or ignore rules uh, and to maintain the pace. So if you're... Pacing of the story, this sounds to me... Now, I don't know, maybe this, maybe this isn't fake, but I, I, I think... 
that rule three stems out of I have a story to tell. Well, and that's number, and you people need to be yeah. quiet while I'm telling my story. Number one is the one that that's makes me like. already get R- my hackers right. raised. I'm telling a story, not running a game. Okay, fuck I you. I will always decide yeah. <laughs> in favor of a better story over any rules uh, mechanic. I, Fake email. I disagree Fake email. utterly. You're not telling a story. You're running a game. But I, I think, I think that, I think they're. It's not phrased well. I think it does say it's a GM confession. Yeah. Or did you say that? But it's not. No, no. I think the tale of GM confession, horror, and player redemption. No, um, that, that's. But, I, I'm, I'm, I, I usually fairly faithfully write their titles. I don't make them up. It's, it's okay. whatever they put in their subject line usually. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that that's what that was. But yeah, yeah it sounds to me. It's. I think it you're. I think your. I think your instinct about it being draconian is probably right. I, I have oh, it, a feeling that there's draconian. a lot of people. That's the way games are played. And that's the way they have to play games. And it, it may be. It may. If you have a table of, of problem players. Maybe you I, I played a Shadowrun game where the GM was very draconian. He was very much like, is that what you're going to do? And having never played the game before, no bones were thrown. Um, yeah, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> all right. Here are all the consequences because you guys are idiots. And I'm like, okay, you know, we never played this before. You didn't, we didn't show up with characters. Now you know. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah, that's, that's what a fucking dick move. But that's the way some people play these games. I mean, it's not, it's not. I'm not going to say it's right or wrong, but that's what they know. That's what they do. That's how they play games. And that, again, that's why we go to cons because then when you play with somebody like Mook, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. you mean I can actually be nice, throw a bone to the characters, and follow the rules and not be a dick? Wow, the what wh- a what a yeah. mind blown. The white because because that's yeah. when you operate when you live in a bubble, you don't know that there's other options out yeah. there. I think that sometimes people, and I know this for a fact, people are victims of their own. Uh, world, they're stuck there, and sometimes they don't even want to know. I'm like, I'm not going to go to con. I'm, I don't need some guy telling me how to. I know how to GM. I'm a great GM. You guys love me, right? You guys love me, no sir. <laughs> if I don't I tell don't you, you're, you're going to get me rid of me. I, I mean, I think people, you know, I, again, how many times do we say go to a con, play in somebody else's game? Mm-hmm. You're going to learn a lot. If you if you don't learn a better thing, you're going to learn what not to do. And yep. if, you, if this was your GM, you're going to go. Well, I know I'm not doing that ever again. Or, or maybe, you, I don't know, whatever. But yeah. the point being, everybody has their own set of rules, and, and you don't know what everybody else's job is until you, until you game with them. Right. So you sit in the game. And I think, um, you know, maybe they're in Nebraska, and they, this is their only choice. This is their only choice. I don't know. I don't know. The, but, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I know. It may not. It I'm may not. Minds, I just did a quick search. It may not, it may not be fake, but. I think we might be able to at least. Maybe he's maybe he's sitting at a table where he has to act this way. If so, I feel bad for him. And, and because so, I it is so much fucking better to let your players take the reins on the story, hmm. because then you get surprised as well. What the fuck uh-huh. use is it if you know what a story is going to be and where it's going to go and what it's going to do? And well, what, yeah, what the I, fuck? I, I agree. Unless it's got some sort of power trip. In which which case, I think with those three rules, there I might think, be. I think a lot of Don't GMs play are a game. Pour yourself scotch, light a cigar, <laughs> sit down at your, <laughs> but, at your computer, and write your fucking novel. I'm right? gonna, I'm gonna suppose that there are perhaps many GMs out there that have a uh, a control problem, control oh, issues, and, 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 and perhaps um, also need the validation, perhaps. Um, I'm not saying that everybody who GMs is that way, but I'm going to suppose that there are... A percentage? Perhaps a larger <laughs> percentage. Who knows? Who knows how big it is? But I'm, there are... Absolutely there are some. 
Um, I, I could certainly see that being a GM could attract that type of personality. And I'm not going to say it's wrong, but it seems like that that might be a common problem out there. And it, is. it may not even be a problem if they don't know it's a problem. We talked about this in the very first couple of episodes yes, of the show. Yes, when I, I talked about when I, I went, I went to the warehouse, and there were some old yeah. guys there. We were kids. We had ridden, rode our bikes there. We were probably fifteen, maybe fourteen. We rode our bikes across Long Beach to the warehouse. Walked in, and they had this huge table. This table was probably made this thing oh, yeah. look like a toy. It was probably it was like it was about as big as this, but big, almost a square. Viking long yeah, table, I, right? I, I think huge. they still have it. They might. They might. It's like it a was big. giant it's sheet like, of plywood. Or it's something. like twelve by twelve or eight uh-huh. by eight. It's a you were big smaller table. and shorter then too. It probably wasn't. It probably seemed bigger. But it was square. I remember okay. that it was no, square, giant. and it was big. It was like big thick wood. It wasn't like I mean it had plywood top, but it was like very yeah. well constructed. And there was a guy sitting there, and they were playing a game. And there was probably like six or seven people sitting around the table, and the GM. And the GM was a big neckbeard, you know. And and he and he, he says, "You have now just entered my birthday garden. The only magic that works is mine." <laughs> this made a big impression on you. You yes. like you walk through the door, ding ding ding. You have now entered my birthday garden. The only magic that works, and you're like, and and, and from that point, you said to yourself, well, "No, I was I was I'm like." Cool, I'm going to do that in my game. <laughs> but my point is, I mean, because remember, back then we were all we were all isolated and divided. We didn't That's have internet point. or anything. That's my point. And, and, and there was probably like really common, and then there were some people who kind of figured out the whole the whole uh, um, you know cooperative narrative mm-hmm. thing, and uh-huh. there's other groups that didn't. Nope. And then, but you start playing with more and more people. You go to game cons, you play with people, and say, "Hey, you're cool. Why don't you come join our game?" Next thing you know. The game is growing and changing and evolving mm-hmm. and improving because if you're getting more and different people involved in the game with their different experiences, suddenly <coughs> it's better. But when we first started the show, one of the things I wanted to talk about is the fact that being that kind of GM is a disservice to you and it's a disservice to your player and it's a disservice to your hobby. But you don't know any better. Back then we didn't. No, but now you now you can't. Now there's no excuse for it. Yeah, I mean, and there are people out there who probably espouse exactly what this guy's saying. And I'm not. I don't want to like knock this guy and, and say you're too you're, late. You're, we already did. Spe- no, no, I don't think so. But I think I I think you might find if you listen for a while that maybe you don't need to be as draconian as you think you need to be. Now, as far as the rules arguing thing like you don't want rules arguments in the game you don't want it to, to interrupt the thing that's he's trying he, I, I can tell he's grabbing at the at the at the immersion brass ring that's what he's going yeah, for right that's what I was and, thinking and I don't blame him for yeah, that nope the thing is though nothing breaks immersion more than a player who's pissed off because of a bad ruling right uh-huh. and you need to realize that that's a real thing if I'm you know and I played in a game where there was a bad ruling made because I made a character that was built in a very specific way and something that I had that I spent a lot of points on to have was completely hand-waved and ignored in a situation all because the GM wanted to keep the intense uh, pace of the game going and because we were right in the middle of combat and he wanted it to be stressful and chaotic and everything like that. It just pissed me off. Yep. It's like, what? I just spent points on this. You're not going to immerse me in anything except hate. At yeah. that point. Immersion's <laughs> not a constant. No, it isn't. It, it's 
it's an ebb and flow uh-huh. sort of thing. Because you have moments when you're really being in character. Invested. And, yeah. and, and you have moments when you're really playing a game. Right. And you have moments when you're sitting around a table yucking it up with your buddies. Mm-hmm. And you can be invested in different ways. I can be invested in combat. Yeah. I can also mm-hmm. be invested in trying to talk this shopkeeper down for the one part that we need to build the catapult or whatever right. it is. You know, you, you get invested in these moments. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I want to try to defend this guy in a way because I think that this happened a long time ago. Um, he he I think he's being terse. In his summary about the way he runs a game, and it's not well worded, but I think ostensibly what he's saying is, I'm I'm trying to move the game forward. I'm trying to move the story forward. I'm trying to keep. I don't want to be bogged down in parsing rules for an hour and a half. Oh, I, but he doesn't say that specifically. I, but I think that's no, the that's gist a, of what he's trying to say. I agree with. I would agree with that. I don't agree with the whole. I will hand wave when I feel like it. That smacks to me of GM equals God bullshit. Yeah, no, but, but you've done it as well. There's times when you're like, like I said to you the other day, can we just say that I capt- captured enough animals? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And right. you literally hand-waved. Well, yeah, but that that's different than saying, okay, um, uh, this guy is going to attack you. Uh, I don't remember the rules of how this worked, but I'm going to assume it's that. Oh, your character died. That, but the, you know, or, or, okay. or whatever. You know, what I, you know yeah, what I mean? I know, I do. I do. I think and nothing. I mean, if you're if you're if you want immersion, if you want that story to happen, don't you want your players to not get pissed off at you? Right. And they're gonna. Well, maybe. Yeah. I mean, if you're that arbitrary, and this sounds super arbitrary to me, it does. At some point, you're gonna piss somebody off. Maybe this guy who's playing, who like changed his tune, is playing out of desperation. Right. Because there's no one else in town that I he know. can play with. And well, he wants to play that's what I was. That's what I was trying to like, give this guy the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, let's let's. Let's examine, for example, that he's just not good at saying what it is he means. Maybe. Oh. I, I, I don't know. But it, it also, I mean, he says he's a new listener, so there's a lot of stuff that I don't wanna, ha- we said that he hasn't You can heard. give us a follow-up if you want. If you want to maybe... Yeah. But, but, I don't want to sound like a prick and say, no, I... You're th- playing th- this game wrong. And, and the other thing I, I, I would like... I'm going to play Stu Venable here for a second, because I actually saw this on the forums the other day. Uh, Stalin? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'll ask your players, or I'll ask the GM, are your players having fun? Right. And and that's kind of maybe the bottom line. That's, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Uh, if they're having fun, who are we May, I, to cast disparaging remarks sure. against his play style? Because if his players have been here for 10 years right. playing this game, you know, it's far be it for us to really judge that, that harshly. I think that he perhaps didn't phrase what he meant well. I, I'm going to leave it at that. Maybe. It sounds really draconian. It does, but but we are, you know... A bunch of liberal it, when it, when it comes, when it no, I'm I'm not <laughs> no. But when it co- when it comes to the GM equals God thing, yeah, fuck yeah. that yeah. noise, yeah. Yeah. fuck that noise. What about GM equals system? Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. GM hubris ruins more games than anything else. I will just put it there. GM hubris, True. fuck that. I was going to have a new anthem, but it's not working out. A new anthem. Well, it's going to be the same. Song, same music, yeah. same lyrics, but I was going to put it. I, I wanted. I thought, what would be really interesting if if I took the Soviet national anthem with the Happy Jacks lyrics and merged it with Daft Punk. However, I don't have the skills to produce a Daft Punk level song. A, I don't pay, play bass well enough, so I have to bring in a some mm-hmm. one of one of my one of the guys from the band to play it. Either Bill or Ian could knock it out easy, but I don't. I don't have the 
the bass chops to play like that. They have machines for that. You just put a note That's by note. I don't. I'd have to haul in my well, M my M fifty in here. Say, yes, I could bring that in there, and I it has I all the say, patches. Really, the point shit. is, you you are the busiest man in the world. You just don't yeah. have the two weeks it would take to craft that song. No, I, I sat down. And I, I, I got one. Really? I, I got it kind of started, but I realized oh, it's not meshing the way I need it to. I either need to bring my M fifty in, or I need to get Bill or Ian in here. So to let's play let's think about this for a minute. Yeah. You're you're running a you're running you are single handedly running a singing group. With a, a full, it's like herding cats. The uh, fair is coming up. There's a concert coming up. You're running four games. Am I right? I'm Three not, games. Three games. At this point, you're running one. single-handedly, <laughs> and you're beating yourself up for not being able to create a song. Oh, okay. All right. what, I, that, all right. that, I don't have. I don't have the. I don't have. I am not a disco robot. <laughs> That's clear. <laughs> Clearly, because I don't. I don't but have the skills of the disco, disco robot. Biscuit. Aren't you white enough? To be a disco robot? Yeah. I don't know. No one. I don't know. Are, is, I don't know. Is Daft Punk white? I don't know if anyone knows. I don't. Daft know. Punk is. They're a mystery. Just, they're an enigma. Disco was like the whitest music ever. Uh, and then, but by the way, this is 2017. You know what that means? Uh, no. Daft Punk tour. Because they, their last three tours or two tours yeah. have always been in years ending in a seven. Hey. Okay, pattern recognition is clearly is not one of my strong points. I had no idea. <laughs> well, no, it's a big thing because they they I, they, I guess. they they only tour once every decade. Maybe I should look up who Daft Punk is first before you've I heard go the into song. <laughs> you, you, you've heard the, the song from their late. Uh, she's up, she's up on night to the sun. I'm up on oh, night yeah, to yeah, get yeah, some. Yeah. That yeah, song. Yeah. Right. I remember the remember the video, which is all the Soul Train. Yeah, yeah. That's from uh, I don't remember which album it is. Anyway. That's it. All right. Shit. Every time. Thank you for joining us for Season 18, Episode 20. Last episode of the season of Happy Jack's Energy Podcast. My name is Stu. Uh, Stork. This is Jip. This is Gina. Join us tomorrow at 2 p.m. Pacific Time for the Fate-ish. Blue Mask? Mask Mask of the... I don't remember. Okay. 2 p.m. And then also uh, on Sunday at 5? Five? 5. And uh, on Monday at 8? Eight? Eight? I go to the Happy Jacks Forum. Two. There's actually a ske- schedule. There's a schedule. HappyJacks.org slash, happy slash schedule will get you there. And it's actually been updated very recently. Yep. Thank you very much. Keep checking it. Leave it a song. Boom. Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.